kids. Thanks for joining me on this special episode of Here for the Booze. I'm your host, Jax, and get ready for a little bit of a long episode as we welcome my next guest. And I'm really excited for you guys to hear this episode. It is pre-recorded, so I hope you all enjoy and you know, definitely be sure to follow me on Instagram, rate and review my podcast wherever you subscribe. And thank you so much for sticking around. Now get ready for this great, great interview that I got for you guys. Please give a warm welcome to Justin from Epic Film Guys. He has his own podcast. Welcome. Thank you so much for joining me in the discussion of Scream 2 tonight. I wouldn't be anywhere else right now. When it comes to Scream 2, that's where I want to be. So I really appreciate you having me on for this. I appreciate you wanting to be, because I feel like you offered to come on. Yeah. I mean, well, here's the thing. <laughs> I'm down to talk horror literally any day, any night. You call me, I'm there. But when you mentioned Scream 2 on your list, I was like, yes, (laughs) please bring me on. So I was super pumped about it. And I, like I said, I would, where else would I be? Yeah. I want to be here. Let's do this. No, no, no. I appreciate that. Well, I didn't want to do, you know, all the screams in one season. You know what I mean? I'm trying not to you know, pick all the movies that everybody knows, you know? So like I had, that's why I haven't covered like a nightmare on Elm street or I haven't really covered Halloween. You know what I mean? So, because most people have seen those and the conversation I think for Halloween isn't over yet. So, and I think with scream, it's, I don't know if it'll be over for five. I don't think either of those conversations (laughs) will ever be over. I know, right? We'll probably be like 60 years old and be like scream. 98 seriously reboot four seriously well and i just heard that paramount or they settled the rights for friday the 13th so they might be like recording again or something and i was like wow i can't believe someone has a one-up on me i didn't see that i was too busy drinking pumpkin spice seltzers that's fucking huge news oh my god i mean i don't i'm trying to remember like who posted it it was like a few people that were saying it but i feel like it could be a little bit of nonsense so just, I feel like we have to wait because I don't really know what else we want to say from Jason, considering, you know, where Halloween has taken us. I feel like my expectations are high. And- Listen, in terms of Jason, I, I'm just going to say this. It's really simple. Throw a bunch of kids at a camp. Make sure there's a lake, okay? There has to be a lake. Give them a machete oh. and a hockey mask and give me some really interesting kills. And I'm good. It, for me, it's not rocket science. A Friday the 13th isn't high art or high art horror in any way. It doesn't really need to get... I'm just saying. No, See, I'm sure. Gonna get all, I'm going to get all Friday the 13th up in this bitch. I don't like... Well, back, that's... Back down. That's why I didn't love the remake, because I felt like they tried to... Like, he would never have kidnapped her. Like, come on. Like, it wouldn't have kidnapped her. I liked the remake. I know. Everybody does. And I feel like that's another one of my unpopular horror. I just don't like that remake i don't listen it took it took three viewings in the theater to get me to like <laughs> but it was like back when midnight showings were an actual thing and i, I went and i was like i left at like 2 30 in the morning after like literally drinking whiskey all night leading up to it and i'm like why didn't i like that movie <laughs> and then i went back the next day and then of course i liked it a little bit more than i liked it a little bit more i wish that same thing would have worked for the nightmare on elm street remake but it didn't but, you know, it's never I even literally you win some, you lose some. I just it's been on HBO and I've been like, all right, all right, I'll give it another chance. You know, I'll just, just try it again. And I watched it, I'm like, God, this sucks. I'm like, the acting is terrible. And I love the two girls as actresses in other things. And Maura Rooney. And then I kept the Katie. Um, 
I mean, Rooney Mara's like, Rooney, yeah, I mean, sorry, Rooney Mara, dude. She she's like, uh, she went on from that. To, literally, that's a miracle that that happened. That she was in that movie, and now she's married to Joaquin Phoenix. You know, and then she's been in so many amazing movies since then. Oh my god, I um, forgot she's with him. Oh man. Yeah. I mean, they have a kid and stuff, but yeah, we're going to get all weird Hollywood nonsense. But um, speaking of Joaquin, well, we just watched the um, Dark Side of the 90s episode about the Viper Room. Oh, my God. I have not seen that yet. I didn't know that he called 911. I didn't know that either. They play the tape. Oh, my God. I was crying. Anyway. Wait, try to watch it. It's good. It's really because we watch like Dark Side of Wrestling and me too. Dark Side of the Ring is one of my favorite. Oh, sorry, yeah, Dark Side ever. of the Ring. It's great. It's great. I don't even like wrestling. I don't even like wrestling. I, I told my wife that. I told my <laughs> wife. I said, "Listen, I know you don't like wrestling. I know every time that I put on old '90s Undertaker matches, you walk out of the room. But I'm like, this series, you're gonna like it because it's almost done like, almost like you know, true crime style. You know what I mean? Well, the way that the documentary is put together and well, none of their lives, I feel like, were really. Um, you know, like like lifestyles of the rich and famous documentary. Not glamorous by any right, means. Right, right. Staying in Motel Eights yep. or Motel Sixes or whatever they're called, Super Eight motels. Well, and fun and, fact uh, too. So, did you watch the China documentary yet? I have not. Okay, so fun- I have listened to some podcasts about it, but I have not watched it. Okay, yet. so I'm scared too. Did you? Know- I really liked her. Well, did you? I got to see her live. Well, so, so there's two different versions of the documentary that you'll see. Okay. There's the original one that started, and I don't know exactly because I think she passed away in 2016 or 17, something like that. Around there. I so think. I think it started in like 2015 or 14. And one of the gentlemen I went to high school with, and he was a nice guy in school. And it comes out in the documentary that, and I knew this because it was all over the news when it happened years ago after she died, that he got in trouble for trafficking heroin and stuff like that. And he claims that he had no idea that she was really like as bad as she was. And they spent like 24. And when you watch the documentary, you're thinking like, and he's in it. This kid that I know is in it. It's crazy. It's really, it's really unfortunate. Is he the boyfriend? Is he the boyfriend? No, he's the documentary. um, Is he the the filmmaker, the director of the first one of the first one? Okay. I've heard so I know I him. Bite my tongue. Like know so him. No, many like, bad things. Like no, so him. many bad things about. Oh, I know. And I it's need sad. to watch it. It's sad. I need to watch it. I, I saw her live once. I was like, I think, fifteen years old. I saw Raw Monday Night Raw. She was part of Degeneration X, and oh my god! I mean, like when I saw her walk in front of me, I was just wowed and in awe of her. So, as a wrestling fan, uh, yeah. It's, it's funny. We're talking about Scream 2 and I'm like, China, I know. yes, <laughs> I know. suck it. I know, but- I know, seriously. But I, the whole thing with her too, I had no idea about, you know, Triple H. And I just realized too, he's from New Hampshire. I'm like, holy crap, like, yikes. And he married Vince McMahon's. Stephanie yeah, like, McMahon. Yeah. So anyway, like that whole thing. And then her whole story just made me really sad because, you know, coming from an, another like woman perspective of what she felt you know, I can totally relate to that because in high school, you know, I was, like I said, I was in track and stuff like that, but I wasn't a runner. I threw shot put. I was six in the state. I was good, but I was jacked, you know, and I think like it's hard for a lot of men to, you know, like women who are physically strong and a little bit bigger. Cause I know some other women currently who bodybuild and it's hard I for them. It. I love it all. I know. That's it's what I'm different. saying. Jim, the- 
the gym is my shit. So I love all of that. But no, I, I know what you mean in terms of a guy uh, yeah. feeling undermined or maybe like inferior yeah. to a woman if they're, they're well, you're just not womanly anymore. Right. Yeah. Women are supposed yeah. to be frail. They don't like that. They don't like that. Right. Yeah. No. And submissive and things like that. So, you know, that I was like crying through that whole documentary. It was, it was pretty, it's pretty powerful. The new one, cause they use a lot of, um, they had to, because she was already passed away by the time they had to yeah. sell it because he went to jail. That was why they had to sell it. So it's crazy. Like the whole story is just really sad. And like I said, he's in it. So that kind of like, He's able to explain his his side, but he doesn't really go into too many deets or anything like that. It's very sad. It's sad because I knew, you know, it's just it's sad. But anyway, back to Scream. Um, I think China was kind of big when Scream 2 was out anyways. So that's kind of uh, related. She was. She was. She was. I mean, it's related. Real, hey, we're talking about strong female characters. China, probably I would have to say probably in the top five strongest female characters ever to grace pro wrestling and here we're talking about one of the strongest female characters ever to grace the horror genre bar none in my top five yep. final girls ever i mean and not just a final girl a girl that listen ladies and gentlemen we're talking about scream 2 back in 1997 right and 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 scream yeah it's going to be called scream again <laughs> right right scream 5 for for the unaware <laughs> coming out in january of 2022 She's still going to be in it. Sydney Prescott, played yep. by Neff Campbell. She's coming back again, still lived through this entire series. Uh, I believe she is the only horror female character that has lived through an entire series. Yeah, Laurie Strode. Uh, only three, four. Yeah, yep. But it's, I feel it's like with Sydney Prescott. But I feel like with Laurie Strode, there's not as many movies, quote unquote, or like. Well, times. the continuity is, is, right. is all screwed up and wacky. So you can't even count it. You can't even really compare the two, I don't think. I mean, this is going to be. Uh, I mean. I feel like it's. You can't. You can't count it because Wes Cray. Uh, excuse me. Um, John Carpenter didn't plan to make Halloween into a like a sequel anthology that was not his plan no he was just pressured into it yes yeah you know and he, and, and, and he likes money he likes money a lot I know so. right I feel like you know I you know Halloween too we can talk about that another time but you know that one was it felt like not that it's like on par with Scream 2 but I felt like it was kind of like forced and you know oh, of course at, yeah. but, even, even, even as a huge fan of Halloween too I mean you can definitely tell I mean like for, for this movie I mean I, I I personally wouldn't even compare them because John Carpenter wrote Halloween to within like two weeks, every single night drinking. I believe what he said was like a six pack of Budweiser every night. Wes Craven, he was at his peak here. Yeah. He had already had his downslide. He already w went down in the depths. Yeah. His career was basically over. Scream was a return to form. I mean, well, it was a return to horror. Scream is what changed because back, you know, in the early 90s was when the decline, in my opinion, was apparent. Yeah, I mean, Freddy died. Jason died. <laughs> Michael, all of their attempts to be popular in the 90s were failed yep. movies. Yep. They all died. Um, and here we had a little movie called Scream in 1996, which had a budget of about $14 million and raked in about $173 million. So that of course is going to lead to a sequel. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I mean, it, those kinds of numbers Duh. almost never happen. And, yeah. Well, not for Hollywood. horror. No. Not well, 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 anything really, even, I mean, if, yeah. you, if you considered um, the, the level 
of what kind of movie it was when it came out. It, the original came out against Beavis and Butthead Do America, which is a huge hit. Same night. I know this because I saw Beavis and Butthead Do America opening night in the theater next to Scream, not even knowing really what Scream was. I just saw the poster and knew it was Drew Barrymore. But enough about the first movie because <laughs> that's a, a different story. But I mean, this is this is the, the sequel to literally one of the biggest small little original horror movies ever made. Mm-hmm. Someone has taken their love of sequels one step too far and they're playing with the copycat killer concept here. This was the first Scream movie that I personally saw in the theater. Do you remember the first time you saw it? Oh man, Scream 2. I yeah. feel like the first time I saw Scream 2 was probably in high school when I was probably working at the theater because I mean that the rental place because then I could take out the movie without my parents really caring, you know, because I could stay up late and watch it. You know what I mean? Forbidden fruit. Yeah. Well, because at that point I was in high, you know, later in high school and we definitely had two TVs with VHS, VHS, not DVD, VHS, VHS place. Cause it was cheaper for me to rent. I feel like I almost got those for free when I worked there. You know what I mean? To rent. So, yeah. Um, But yeah, I think I was probably in high school, probably like, you know, 16, something like that. Yeah. I'll preface this whole thing with uh, as soon as you mentioned Scream 2, I jumped because I literally wet my pants. This is a movie that's comfort food to me. Um, Even though I I hold the the original film in such high regard, I'm sitting here. I got my Scream 2 shirt on. Yeah. Oh, Uh, I didn't even notice that. It's my Scream 2 on the. That's awesome. Um, I mean, if I'm feeling down, I'm having a rough week or anything I, i'll just literally grab a few drinks a few cocktails i'll lay on the couch and i'll put this one in. and i think it's because it was the first one i saw in theaters um yeah when i watched the original i actually saw it on vhs on a tiny tv my grandmother rented it for me my very religious grandmother and she loved it and said that was a fun movie and i was like what well this one's not as graphic as the first i will say Definitely not. Right. No. I will, it's bloody. It's bloody. And that's what I try to tell people. Like, there's a difference between being graphic and being bloody. This is bloody. There's a little bit of throat slashing and then, the you know, the police officer. But, like, it's not like, oh, we're looking at it and it's a moment. You know what I mean? Like, it's part of the movie now. You know, like in Pulp Fiction when the guy's head gets blown off in the car. Yeah. Like, I mean, there's plenty of death. There's plenty <laughs> of, of gruesome stuff here. But I, I, I agree. It's, it's not as shocking because... When you watch the original film, and I hate to keep bringing up. No, 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 it's fine. The That's the point. But, I mean, That's the point. You, you kind of have to compare. I mean, yep. you hadn't seen anything like that well, done in a movie. The opening scene. In a long, long time. Now, I will get to the opening scene of this movie, which I, I feel, in my opinion, I get shit on. Anytime I bring this up in a discussion, anywhere I go. Um, but I think the opening to this movie is one of the best openings of any horror movie, let alone any 90s horror movie ever because okay it's a cinephile's dream but sure but yeah so um yeah 100 i mean in terms of the the graphic nature of the violence and stuff i mean i think that after the first one wes was definitely like the mpaa which had a good relationship with him was like you're not gonna do this you're not gonna do that they they had to go quick too so i feel like there wasn't time to you know go too crazy i'm gonna talk about one scene that was supposed to be supposed to be way more graphic when we get to it yeah but we can we can start um talking about the first the opening scene in scream 2 to start the ball rolling we can actually get into the guts of the movie if you will but no you know so you know it's it's the (laughs) i think for me really quick before we really get into it for me 
I think because, like I said, I watched it when I was already 16. So at that point, Scary Movie had come out. So I think for oh, me, oh, no. it's just like I am unfortunately one of those people that have just kind of been. Well, Scary Movie. Yeah, Scary Movie came after this. Too. Yes. So that's why I think like. Because so many people would say, like, out of my face. And I'm like, in eighth grade, I'm like, why are they seeing that? And then I saw Scary, I'm like, oh, my God. Or Scary Movie, I'm like, oh, my God, that's why. Because I actually, like, HBO just had the Scary Movies on there. So yeah. I just watched. I bought, I bought, like, the set that came out last year with the first three on Blu-ray. I love the Scary Movies. I think movie they're series. great. I think they're I saw great. all of them in theaters. I love all of they're them. Fun. They're, they're fun. They're fun. I love great. Anna Faris. Yeah. So, like, if she's in it, I'm probably going to watch it. Because yeah, I love they're Mom. A like, they're so a blast. It's fun. I mean, Wes Craven, Wes Craven had an aneurysm over them and, like, begged them begged the Weinsteins not to release them. And we all know that the original title for the original Scream was Scary Movie. Yep. And they just said, fuck it, we're just going to take that title and put it on this shit. And they, they did. And then, of course, that's how that happened. And they made a ton of money off that. But it's like, you you never, you don't want to, you just don't want to spoil what you have there. But they did. And, and I know. it that's, still works. And I, right. So, you know, so the opening scene, it's, you know, Jada Pickett. Actually, you didn't even get to like talk about your podcast and stuff before we even get. Oh, into that's this. okay. No one cares about my podcast. Well, but it's, <laughs> but yes, they do. But we could talk about it for like a couple of minutes before we really get into, into the movie. Okay. Okay. Um, well, to preface everything, I'm Justin from the Epic Film Guys. We've been around since about I think 2013, 2014, um, and it all came out of me and one of my coworkers, one of my good friends, who used to sit at cubicles right across from each other. And in between calls at a customer service call center, um, we would talk about movies. And literally someone like diagonal from us way in the back was like, hey, you two guys talk about movies all day long. You should like start a channel and record this because it's entertaining as fuck when you guys argue. And I was like, oh, maybe we should do this. Um, we started it and about... Nine months later, my wife got a job outside of Washington, D.C., and I had to move from upstate New York to down here. And it was originally a YouTube show, and then it turned into a podcast. And since then, um, we've raised over $30,000 for cancer research. We do an annual cancer benefit, the live stream for the cure every single year. Um, we've reached thousands upon thousands of people, listeners, every week, which we love so, so much. And we're all just about spreading that love of film. So we're out there. Epic film guys. We're right now, uh, member changes have occurred. Uh, we're just kind of shugging along and doing our thing. You'll still find content out there. No matter who's on there, you'll hear my fucking voice. Um, but yeah, Epic film guys, you can find us literally everywhere, but all that aside, <laughs> no, 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 that's great. Movie. <laughs> I had no idea about all the money you guys raised. That's amazing. That's incredible. Yeah, like that's it's been a, a huge thing. Um, my my co well, my original co-host Nick Haskins, mm -hmm. uh, who left the show late last fall. Um, we we did the event together this year again, but um, he just wanted to do different things. Uh, he had a friend that he lost at a very young age from cancer. I've lost many family members from cancer. We just said, hey, no other podcast is doing this. We should get a whole huge group of podcasters together, which we do every single year. Uh, this last year it was, uh, I think, five days we did wow. of all different podcasts coming on with different slots, entertaining, doing their content, and all to raise money for cancer research. So That's incredible. if you're interested, it's called The Live Stream for the Cure. It has its own page on social media. We're going to be doing it again next year check that out but that's our biggest claim to fame and the thing that we're the most proud of is just because we've been able to help people by us being you know 
slightly alcoholic and talking about nonsense no, when sure. it comes to movies. No, that's if we great. Can, yeah, and do something positive, you know, uh, that's that's all that matters to me. And just having a good time, you know. That's awesome. That's so great. Thank you. No, so. yeah, no, I love that. That's great. Yeah, because you already answered my question of when you watch this first. So you already answered that. Um, and I already heard you earlier say your favorite sequel in the series. So what's your favorite sequel in the Scream series? That's very difficult. I think when it comes <laughs> down to it, I mean... You can then I, rate them in order. Put them in order. Well, of course, the first one has to come first. Yes. That's 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 there. But, uh, you know, in terms of like a comfort flick, two always stands up the most to me sure. in terms of enjoyment. I think it almost ties with part four, even though, like, like I said earlier in, in pre-roll with you, that I get shit on so much. Uh, but I'm, I'm fine with being that guy that yeah. likes stuff that other people don't. And then, of course, three is always at the end. Um, I like three, ironically, because I like to get hammered and watch it and laugh at it. Yeah, It's not Wes's fault. It's not the cast's fault. It's not, I mean, Kevin Williamson wasn't present. It's, it's not really- I was going to say- anyone's fault i mean they just needed to make the movie the movie got made i saw it in theaters and it was really apparent even in the theater as a teenager that uh something's something's rotten in denmark you know that that something's not right here um but again i'll watch it once in a great while and again it had come out after the scary movie series had already become a popular thing so it's hard to take something seriously when you're seeing movies already satirizing and making fun of the subject matter constantly no, no definitely you know, definitely it's, it's, no seriously that's I mean, what i people mean people were yelling that at the screen they were yelling that at the screen during scream 3 so <laughs> so that's that but my my love of this movie comes from the first line spoken by jada pinkett smith <laughs> i hate scary movies oh but you will sit through a movie called stab i love that yeah i love so much that the first line is I hate scary movies. Yep. Yeah. She's, it's a great opening. I will say like, it's definitely a shocking scene. You know what I mean? Cause it's not only, you know, original and extremely meta because everything that she's saying in her little speech after that is a hundred percent true at that time specifically. And I think nobody was thinking about that. So it was a huge slap in the face to people and nobody realized that I think. It was easily overlooked because if you think yeah, about it, had a lot to, it had a lot to say. I mean, she had a lot her, to say. She's talking about how the horror genre is historically known for excluding African-American characters. Yep. And they are literally, spoiler alert, the first two on-screen deaths in the film living up to that trope. Right. And it also, you know, in the opening scene when they're, they're, they're sitting there watching Stab, it plays on those stereotypes, which have been very apparent uh, that African-American women talk at the screen during horror movies now listen me and my one of my co-hosts Lois sauce have said this before stereotypes are based on some kind of reality and i'm not going to lie i have experienced on many occasions oh. african-american women talking during horror movies and screaming at the screen Ooh. it actually happened to me not that long ago like six months ago oh. it, it, it happened during a lot of different movies but again just saying, sure. I'm just making sure people are, are clear on this. Not during Stereo a first, are- well, like not during a first time watch. You know what I mean? Because like a couple weeks, well, actually it was like a month ago. There's another podcast in my area. I'm using quotes because they're in Rhode Island. So it's like an hour, but they, they bought rights to a bunch of movies and they have an okay. agreement with a brewery that they like show a movie like once a month. And the, the first movie that they did was Sleepaway Camp. Yes. No, I'm sorry. I keep saying Sleepaway Camp, Slumber Party Massacre. Gosh, 
gosh, I am the okay. worst. Either one. Slumber Party Massacre was so much fun. It was so much fun watching it with everybody, but we've all seen it. So it wasn't like I was missing anything when we were all like joking around. And during like the intermission that they had, the people in front of us, the guy was like, you're really funny. And I was like, oh, I didn't. Oh, and I was like, I'm not trying to be like loud. I'm not trying to like be that person. I'm like, I'm trying to just make my husband like stop looking at his phone and to just have some oh. fun. Well, because he's, oh. he's not like super. Well, he was he was fine in the beginning. But toward the end, he was just like, man, because, you know, Slumber Party Massacre is great. I love it. I do. I really do it. But, you know, I feel like if you don't really love horror, then you're probably not going to love Summer Party Massacre because it's very basic. I can get that. It's I very like that. niched. It's very stereotypical. It's very even though it's written by a woman, you know, it's very well. It's also satire, but unless yes. you pick up on that, yeah. I mean, no, definitely, it's not. It's just you know, I, but he's not as into it as I am. You know, he'll come watch some of the movies, and the next movie that they're doing actually, it's next Friday, the thirteenth. They're doing um, Friday Ooh. Part Five, uh, New Beginning, which I like that one, and. I, I like I, I like, so, I like something from all of them. That's the black sheep, one of the black sheep of the series. Right, but, that's the one yeah. where it's not Jason. I mean, Jason's in it for like a couple of At weird dream sequences. Yeah, like, right. Cause he's I mean, got Tommy the- Jarvis sees Jason in the mirror and stuff. Right. And yeah. That's, I do agree that like it's confusing at the end, like that literal end scene where he like turns into Jason or something or whatever, you know, whatever happens at that part or sees, just sees Jason. But I did like that they went a different way with telling this story and portraying, you know, this killer. Because I think, you know, the fourth one, ever, obviously, everybody loves. And if you don't. Yeah, it's, it's, it's in my top five slashers ever. Yes. Made. Literally, it's that high. Yes. But I mean, I also love the fact that, like, I mean, they were unapologetic about having... I'll just be as blunt as possible. A mentally retarded guy get hacked to shit with a fucking axe over a candy bar. I'm like, yeah, you went there. It's the most mean spirited. And also there's a good reason for that because they had a porn director direct the movie. Uh, what are you going to do? Oh my I mean, God. It's... I didn't know that he was a porn director. That's yeah. Great. Well, he directed, he directed Savage Streets uh, with Linda Blair before that. But I mean, he also directed a lot of softcore porn movies. That's before that. he, he, he's dead now. So I'm not pissing on his grave. I like how mean spirited, part five is i also like that there's gigantic uh kills in part five Um, a lot of drug references a lot of you know random nudity you know just what we all need for a slasher you know that's five and jason takes manhattan are the two that i will probably throw in the most because if we're drinking and having a good time and just he's fine with me putting on a horror movie i'll just like slide that in the blu-ray player like Beep. because it's fun you know i feel yeah. like the the characters are you know and the fake screaming from pam just like seals the deal for me i don't know what was going on with that dubbing but you weren't fooling anybody but back to scream too um that's okay uh so yeah so we're still on the opening scene with jada pinkett smith smith's character which is maureen mm-hmm. that's her first name and you know They're at the movie theater. She's not really wanting to go. Her boyfriend, of course, is like all about it. And they sit in the theater, but immediately he leaves. I think just to go to the bathroom or he... Yeah, they were sitting together. Well, he, well, he wants to scare her. She, She's the one that's feeling uncomfortable. True. And then she's like, I'm going to go get a popcorn. Oh, right. She he, leaves. He comes out of the random door 
and scares her. I think because he wants to get his dick wet. Honestly, that's let's just face it here. He's talking about getting a stiffy and she's talking about you better loosen up that wrist. And she's like, no, nah, fuck this shit. I'm going to get out of here. She's waiting in line. She wants a diet Pepsi and some popcorn without butter. And then she overhears the girls behind her like, I can't watch this movie. This is based on real people that got killed in California last year. Um, Aren't they in? Are they in a different state? That was the other thing. I was like, we're the, not in the California. Rialto, the, the, the Rialto is definitely uh, the where they shot the outside scenes, uh, which led to my next point. Sure. Uh, is in is in California. Okay. I've always wanted to see Scream Two at the Rialto. Now I've been told that they shot the outside scenes at the Rialto and that the inside scenes were a different theater. Oh, um, this led to when I showed the first Scream at Alamo Drafthouse DC about four years ago. We did a movie party and I dressed up. Sweet. I actually. A movie party at Alamo Draft House is where you have props. You can talk to the screen. You can quote lines. And I actually ordered um, like 50 glow-in-the-dark knives, just like the beginning. Even though it was the first movie, I was like, because at, at movie parties at Alamo, you can like shoot at the screen if someone's shooting someone or something. Like this is kind of fucking weird. But if you know Alamo Draft House, you'll get it. That's and I was so like, fun. when I stood up there, I was like, listen, when anyone gets killed in the movie kill them, you know, do this with the glow in the dark night. <laughs> I, was, I was expecting them to do what they do in the opening of the movie. Yeah. 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 Here. And everyone kind of just like looked at me and it was literally crickets. Like, okay, <laughs> really? And no one did. I no, one my- did. no one did it. I mean, they're all excited about the screening that I came out in the, the ghost face costume and it was a big deal. That's fun. But I was like, but it's always been uh, like literally a goal of mine to see scream Two, or just even the fucking, you know, the random scenes they shot for Stab because they obviously had to shoot those like a real movie. I know, right? They're, they're like a real movie um, with those actors at the Rialto. But I mean, this plays with that whole movie within a movie element, just like you said before. It's trying to break that fourth wall. Right. How movie violence affects real life violence. And, and, yeah. and it's definitely one of the most brutal openings to any horror movie that came out in the 90s. I mean, Jada has been brutally stabbed. Um, after her boyfriend gets, I mean, why is he listening to the dude taking a piss or taking a shit? Like, why would you listen? That was the is other he, thing. Is he jacking it? Is he flapping his balls or something? Then I was I like, why, why are you getting so close? Like, is there, because I think there was obviously a hole. That was the other thing was there was a hole in the stall, I think. So. Well, you're thinking of the, are you think, see, you've watched scary movies so many times. You're thinking of that glory hole. <laughs> so this is not even the glory hole. See, like, I'm so bad. Oh, yeah, so he does just stab through the stall. Well, he just stabs, he stabs through, through the, the stall. stall. But I'm like, but like perfectly in the ear. That's why I was like, how would you... He has a gleam in his eye, too, though. Like, oh, man, is he whacking it? Well, you just said he wanted it, to get it, his, his rocks off, so... It, it, so maybe he's just that horny, or maybe he heard, like, a dump so big, he's like, oh, man, that's getting me going here. I don't know. But who would... I mean, listen... Maybe that's why the scene in Scary Movie is the way that it is, because it's like, what are you really doing here? Like... <laughs> He, he, he kind of grins. Omar Epps exactly. is like grinning. He's like, oh, yeah, what the fuck is this? Like, I've never in all my years, no matter how drunk, sober, high, whatever you may say. I mean, I've never like leaned in and started, man, that guy's shitting really Especially good in the bathroom it. stall. Like. At a movie like that, you know? No. Especially like when the, that was the other thing that I was like, there's only two urinals. I was like, what the hell kind of bathroom, you know, at a movie theater is this? Like two urinals? Oh, uh, well, it's the Rialto. It's a, it's a, it's oh. an old school theater. So that's how old school theaters are definitely, yeah, tiny right. urinals. Or, or they true. have those trough urinals, which no dude wants to piss next to each other because there's no barrier and you're spraying juice all over the other dude's when shoes. And you're looking at everybody like. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, so he. Doesn't make it from the bathroom. Nope. And he cut. So the ghost ghost face killer. Who who do you think the killer is? 
because spoiler alert, we're going to like reveal who the, because that's the other thing I want to talk about is who do you think the killer is at each kill? So we're going to spoil everything. And there's a huge premise before I talk about the episode anyway. So they're all spoilers, unless I say yeah, I'm not yeah, a yeah. spoiler. I mean, so, I mean, honestly, you have to, I think you have to base how the performance is and how they're moving and how they're standing. However, um, at the same time, whoever that person is may be also performing. So whether it's Billy's mom yep. or if it's Mickey, maybe it may be Billy's mom just standing upright, acting more like a male, but the body language to me and the mannerisms definitely show more like a male. So oh, I okay. believe it's Mickey. These are those conversations that happen about the first movie too. Like, is it Billy or Stu? Are they that tall or are they that short? Obviously it's the same people. See, but I don't know if they put, but but I don't know if they put that much thought into it. That's the other thing. I don't know if they did either. I don't probably not. They just had their stunt guys. They just had their ghost face guys. Be whatever. Had to go in the suits. And and there's probably not any conversation of like, Hey, maybe be a little more feminine here in your movements or be a little bit more, you know, you know, right. whatever, manly or whatever. Right, right, it's, right. No, you're right. You're totally but, right. But, and that's why. But if we're, if we're saying so, I would probably say it's probably Mickey. Oh. He's a Tarantino film student. It's a big movie at the Rialto. Um, See, I feel I, like I it feel... was the mom. Oh, because okay. it wasn't that well, technical of a kill. If you think about it, the hmm, skill okay. set, because in, you know, we'll get into it later. I feel like once we're at the school you know, we're at Sydney's school, that's when it's really Mickey most of the time, except the one kill that we'll talk about later, where we know it's the mom. Or what if it's Billy's mom in the bathroom, and then it's Mickey who grabs his... That's totally true, too. I wanted to bring this up, because what makes this opening so awesome with the whole whodunit premise is that they have all the costumes, and they're all identical. See, the costumes they are giving out are the exact movie costumes, the sparkly costumes, the very expensive ones, not right. the cheap ones you can get. The black the ones, right, costumes. right, right. These are the sparkly original classic Ghostface yeah. costumes, and they're all identical. So, I mean, they're- it's hard to tell the difference. They're not they're not any different at all. So it could be either one of them doing either one of the different things. Well, they totally so be pulled both. his clothes off. Because I think... Yeah, they did. Right, right. So one of them, we don't know who, you know, so you're right. That's actually like, you know, a probably more sequel, you know, thinking is that it's probably both of them. You know what I mean? But I don't... But did they go to the same college that Sydney did? Right? Well... I don't remember. No, I don't think that the theater is not even remotely close. See, that's what I thought. So that's yeah, why it's, I don't it's, know it's if it would be place. both of them. That's the only thing. I don't but know. But we don't know, but we don't know where Mickey was. We don't see Mickey until the next day. That's right? true. No, that's totally true. That's totally true. And, but we both see we see Debbie Salt and Mickey the following day. Following so who knows they might have flown after they killed him? Well it could have we it also could have I mean we also don't know where in California their college is, and you don't know if it's like, you know, border side to another state and they could have just like popped over and it's yeah. they're not in california anymore you know what i'm saying i, like, I love i love how in depth we're getting over this i mean hey i'll this go this is what we do this is what we do but it, it, it is again this is what you have to do with this movie and i think that's what wes craven wanted you to think him and kelvin williamson is like i, I love that everyone's in these costumes yeah the whole whodunit aspect is there but like, it could be literally anyone in the crowd well, and, and i you think don't too know. they wanted everybody to feel like it wasn't real because everybody was already all like jacked up to watch this. So I think, you know, 
that was another element that they wanted to bring to Maureen's ultimate death in this scene when she stabbed numerous times in her seat. And then again, as she's like standing up in the aisle almost. So it's and this audience is like cheering on. Like it's nobody's it's, it's focused. You know what I mean? Everybody's looking whatsoever. Well, and it's funny too, because I wanted to also bring up, you know, the awesome, you were talking about the costumes that they were giving out. Like that would be so cool. If like, I would go to a opening night of a movie and you would get the freaking stab killer costume. Like that's amazing. And then, um, there was the, Oh, the iconic line in stab. I don't know you and I dislike you already when Heather Graham's, you know, Drew Barrymore character says yeah, that yeah. because in Scream 4, when they're doing the Stabathon, everybody says that in the barn together. So I think it's kind of like almost a, for me, it's a full circle moment from two to four. Because that's why so many people don't appreciate four. Right. I mean, and that's, it will that's a conversation for another day. But I mean, no, seriously, sure. though. Oh, yeah. We'll definitely talk about four. Hell yeah. That's all connected. That's all connected, though. <laughs> definitely. I mean, I... Maybe we'll just skip over three and go to four. No, I'm just kidding. No, we'll talk about, I'll, I'll probably eventually go over three, maybe by myself, but that's a whole nother conversation. Cause I think, I think I knew in the back of my mind that Kevin didn't write, Kevin Williamson didn't write the screenplay and you kind of just confirmed that. Yeah. And I, he didn't he have anything to do with it. He couldn't, he was too busy. Roman was so obvious. Like, hello, sorry, spoiler yeah. for screen three, but like he was, I'm sorry. He was yeah, obvious. It should have been the police he, he officer. Wasn't good. It should have been McDreamy. But- McDreamy. Sorry, not McSteamy. But, dreamy. but, but. <laughs> Yeah, Patrick Dempsey. Yes. But, I mean, for here, I mean, like, again, getting back to this opening, because we could spend like the entire episode on this fucking opening, which we're Sorry. probably going to do. No, it's all good. That's what that's what I do. <laughs> I ramble on. You brought me on. This is what you got. I know. Uh, but no, for real. I mean, like, they're cheering. She's literally suffering. Marco Bellatrami's score is swelling those yes. high chorus. Ah, and then she's, ooh, you know, and screaming. It's like, yeah. Oh, my God. It's one of my favorite scenes of any movie ever. And then she literally drops dead. Pure silence, and you just see her laying there. I mean, it's a hold. Body. It's a hold. It holds, and then it's like <laughs> slash slash scream too. You're like, yeah. But then the sound, the the music. Yeah. I will say the songs in this are not my favorite. Um, uh, like really? Uh, well, the ending. Well, then, well, then immediately. Well, I've got a lot of notes. Believe me, on some of the song drops. The sound, <laughs> the little. Well, this opening them, song, I'm kind of like. It's like, ooh, yeah, it's, it's very nineties. And well, don't worry. There's other, we'll talk about the fucking fr- the sorority party later. Um, oh, we will. But and then like our first scene, I'm like, listen, I'm a guy. So I'm going to say it. Mm, our first scene, we see Sid and she's rocking a new way better hairdo here. I'm just going to say, yes, I'm not a big fan of the bangs. From the Thank first you. Movie. I don't she like bangs either. <laughs> and, she's, and she's rocking these hot little sport shorts and, a sports bra. I'm just Lounge saying. They, they, yeah, yeah. They, they were they were definitely trying to like, hey, look. I mean, because the first movie she's very modest, which I love. Very, very. She's very Laurie Strode in that way. Yes. But as a, as a young kid, as a young teenager, I was like, oh, and I I had pictures of Neva my wall. So yeah. Well, and I never thought of her as frail. I never looked at her as like. A, but she looks she looks in good shape here. She looks like she worked out too. I was gonna say she's like. Thankfully, it's never been like a a stick. You know stickly woman you know trying to you know like i'm sorry but in your next i can't believe that that woman would beat the crap out of everybody but that's just my opinion but you know you never know with training you know look at uma thurman and kill bill quotes because it's a movie but you never know but i feel like i feel like she was an appropriate character for being a realistic type of person you know what i mean she didn't make herself 
starve for these roles. You know what I mean? Coming from a woman's perspective, I feel like I can appreciate that and that she looks healthy. <laughs> She's yeah, thin, I mean, like, don't I, get I, me I, wrong. I mean, I think they, they made it, they, they showcased this for two reasons. One, for boys to go, ooh. Because um, sure. it's not like she gets naked in the movie. Right. She doesn't get Never. naked at all in the entire series. Right. But number two, she does look like she's built, like she's like a strong Ready. female. Like I'm your strong female lead character. Look at me. I don't give a fuck. I'm getting these calls. This is part of my normal daily routine. Yep. It's not until she finds out about the deaths at the Rialto for the stab premiere that she's like starting to get a little bit weary about what's happening. Yep. No, and as you know, because she wakes up to a phone call in her dorm room because of the stab movie coming out, and people, you know, somehow being able to impersonate the, you know, the killer's voice with that voice modulation box thing that people have been getting, which I feel like is kind of crazy that that was like something you just like have easy access to, but it's a movie. But I think, I mean, well, there's that. And I mean, we used to get those at Spencer gifts when I worked there and they never sounded like Roger Jackson ever. (laughs) I mean, it's it's, it's just dude's voice. I mean, I met him once and he's just like this big guy. Yeah. He's a big guy. And you hear him and you hear him talk and he just, he, he's is that his real that, voice or is that an yeah. acted he, he he just deepens it a little okay, bit okay okay but that's literally yet like that that's his there's like it's not like they added like a flange or a reverb or anything on his voice right, that's right. his voice but all those like voice boxes i mean i used to grab them from spencer's all they don't sound anything like that yeah probably yeah. more like filtered and machined you know what i mean like echoey yeah, like if you if you want to sound like the terminator or something or <laughs> yes like, you know, i don't know like a robot or some shit no know, but... definitely and i think i just read too that you know as as sydney's in her dorm room and her roommate is it hallie or is it Haley? i always said Haley. i thought it was Haley, but it looks like it looks weird and i thought h-a-l-l-i-e but i thought that in the movie they called her hallie that's why i was like what so it's okay. So if I say it wrong, sorry. But Haley, um, her roommate comes in and trying to, you know, ease her mind about the weekend. And Sydney's feeling pretty good, knowing that it's probably fine. But it's 1997, and I feel like back then it probably wasn't as easy to find out where people went to school. But I don't know. Whereas nowadays, everybody probably has. Well, it there in was their no Facebook. Facebook yet. There was Thank no you. Facebook yet. Exactly. That's right. The, right. And now I mean, on your Facebook, Facebook, it says, a, "Yeah, I went here because yeah. that's how it started." So. Yeah. You know, I, I think it's kind of interesting that this all happens and, you know, nobody would think that it would be somebody a lot closer. You know what I mean? But anyway, we'll get into that after. But as they're in their dorm room, there's a news flash or a news broadcast or interview of Cotton well, Weary. The, 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 and, and the girl comes up and is like, you have to see this. As yes. Well, the girl. And it's but, Cotton but- Weary. And at this point, you know, he's been proven innocent and he's out of jail. And I'm pretty sure at this point he's under the double jeopardy thing because Billy Loomis and Stu had admitted to doing it. But I think I just read that during that shot of the interview, that's Kevin Williamson interviewing him. Yeah, it is. Okay. Okay. I was like, I read that and I didn't, because I know what he looks like and I didn't think to double check, but I, cool. I'm glad that you knew that. Awesome. So it's Kevin Williamson interviewing him. So it's a fun little fun fact, but it's funny that Cotton now wants to not only just clear his name, but he's trying to make money off of this. So there's the whole also- 15 minutes of fame thing. Yeah. Yes. I mean, and back in 97, was it was way more huge be- it, it well, was- because it was a definite, well, it was more likely that you were an individual. Whereas now with social media, there's definitely more of those, that type of like fame because we have that, you know what I mean? So for him, all he had 
was to like. Yeah, I mean, he was a six minute, not even a six minute character of screen time in the first movie. Right. Um, he was just asked by Harvey Weinstein to be in the movie. Oh, really? Because he, yeah, because he was an upcoming actor. And they were like, hey, we have this part. We need you to play this guy that's accused of this, whatever. Um, and then, of course, the whole concept of like 15 minutes of fame from a tragedy is something that really took off during the O.J. Simpson trial. That's where it became the most popular thing, because it's like, oh, my friend died. I'm going to write a book. I'm going to get on a current affair or Inside Edition, or all these different shows, and make lots of money. No, definitely. It became a really big thing in the 90s. So I, I love that Williamson played on real-world themes and real-world happenings yes, to interject yes. into the story. To, to make Cotton Weary, obviously, he's another red herring here. Yes. Because we're led to believe who. Right, Maybe right. he got out of jail. Maybe he got pissed off about what happened. He wants his fame. Now he wants to be the showcase killer. Yes. You, you don't really know. No, definitely. It's it's. I feel like it's a... It's a nice little scene to quickly wrap up what's happened to Cotton since the first movie. So I think, you know, the next scene is probably one of my favorites is when you kind of get to see what the school looks like and how unrealistic those expectations are as you get older. Granted, don't get me wrong, schools are pretty and their scenery is beautiful. But I think in movies, as I said, in the urban legend one, that they get a little over the top with how fancy they are and how nice that they are. And, you know, we get to kind of see that Sydney is, you know, at this college and her life has been pretty normal since everything, um, at least we're, we're led to believe. But, you know, as we're seeing that she's in school, we see that she's also in school with Randy. And um, I want to talk about the scene where we're talking about Randy's film class. And they have a very interesting conversation about sequels. It's it's literally one of the only scenes I can recall where a group of characters are talking about the validity and quality of sequels within an actual sequel. I mean, they're poking fun and providing commentary yep. and Wes's views on how sequels are rarely as good as the original. Wes is, I mean, prior to this, Wes had come out and said, I don't like sequels. He only made The Hills Have Eyes too because he was dead broke and his family needed like literally bread and milk money. Jeez. And when it came to the Nightmare films, um, he was not a fan because he lost a lot of money. It wasn't until the 90s where he got reimbursed by Bob Shea and New Line for all of those sequels. Well, I think probably when they the made, well, it was probably when they did New Nightmare. <laughs> well, it was leading up to that. Yeah, That's yeah. That's true. So you, so you know your timeline there. But I mean, like his his vision of sequels was never something he wanted to do. I mean, he's one of the best horror directors. I, I feel like, honestly, so terrible without mentioning right off the bat here, how much I miss this motherfucker, yeah. how much I miss Wes Craven as a director, as a creative force in the horror genre. Yeah. There's no one else like him. Mm-hmm. There has never been anyone else like him. And since no one else like him. No. And what he tried to do with this movie, I mean, there's so much effort in terms of trying to bring something new to the table, something new and fresh. And what I love about this movie is that much like the first Scream, and even more so here, the movie is so hip. It's so cool. It's so with the times. And it's from an older guy. And what he had always said is that in order for me to stay relevant, I have to remain young. And that's why with all the younger cast, yes. he would always just hang out with them and get to know them and spend time with yep. them and understand the technology and what was going on in terms of music and style and what was going, you know, everything yes. to make the movie as relevant as possible. You would think that a young 
up and coming director made this movie. When you listen to the the music and how it's shot, it's so slick. It's a guy in his fifties. No, definitely. You know what I mean? And that's no. crazy when you think about it. It's a guy that had direct, hadn't directed. I mean, he had screen, but before that he hadn't directed a hit since like a 70s. real hit since the eighties. Oh, the eighties. Sorry. Right. Since, here, right. Since the nightmare. 80s. Well, yeah, I mean, nightmare. I mean, yeah. he made some great movies. Yes. But none of them were like gigantic, huge box office success. Right, because like so. people didn't love people under the stairs. Shocker, Actually, I like Shocker. it a lot. But I know, right? Shocker that came like out eighty eight or something. Oh, Shocker came out like eighty eight. Oh, yeah. okay, okay. Because I actually just watched that recently, and that was weird. Um, but you're right. You know, I feel like he's a director you can't forget to mention when you're talking about horror. You know, genre. Breakers, you know what I mean? He's definitely one of the biggest ones that totally just, you know, because to start off the bat, First House on the Left was probably one of the most innovative movies that came out. What was that, 1972? You know what I mean? Like that was a time it's very, where very early they weren't early. making those movies. You know what I mean? Like, you know, I watched Night Tide with Dennis Hopper from 1960, and that's a horror movie, and that is nothing compared to Last House on the Left. So I think there's a lot to be said for, you know, what he was thinking of even when he was younger. So, you know, to get what we got for Scream, like, I'm, and the rest of the series, you know what I mean? Like, it was, you know, I think, too, the conversation that's had between the characters feels so genuine. You know what I mean? I think that has a lot to do with Williamson's writing. And Yeah, I mean, the one thing about this scene, I have to interject. I have No, no, to, no, yeah. Is, is when Randy's like, you know, Joshua Jackson's like, yes, you know, stay away from her, you bitch. And Randy's like, I, I believe the real line is or, get or, away from her. Me. Yeah. And and it, what's funny is Williamson got the line actually wrong. It actually is what Joshua Jackson says. I was going to say, but it's written wrong. Yeah. And any aliens fan knows that, but no one, no one realizes it. No one comes out and talks about it. I think that uh, well, because who's watching a, that movie right after? You know what I mean? To like, well, well, Jamie Kennedy did a whole like episode on his own YouTube channel. I think like six or seven months ago. <laughs> uh, he does some great comedy stuff on his YouTube channel. He's like, he goes through and watches his performances, and he's like, I can't believe I got that wrong. But it was in the script, so I, I read it that way, and it's wrong, and no one paid attention at the time, right? That it was like this iconic movie. But it's weird that Williamson, being the huge film buff that he is, that he got that wrong. But it, it's funny because Joshua Jackson says the line right. And then, you know, and the whole scene is great because I think, you know, it's great because it's such a slap in the face to 90s stars in general. Because we have Sarah, uh, sorry, Michelle Geller, uh, Sarah oh, yes. Michelle Geller, and then we have Joshua Jackson, and then Timothy Oliphant wasn't like huge at that point. He, he wasn't anything, right? Yet. But we all know him and love. Well, I love him now. So Santa Clarita Diet. Well, I love him. Oh, I loved I'm him. So fucking sad. Well, I loved him in the Crazies. Gone. I loved him in. Yeah, he's. What was that? Lawless. No, he's also at Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, and he's brilliant. In that I haven't too. even seen that yet. Ugh. Oh my oh, god! I know. No. See, if, if okay, the movie's girl. over two hours, okay. I'm like, I gotta psych okay. myself up for this. It's Quentin Tarantino. Like, I love him, but I know, like, okay. Well, and also think about it. Think about it. He's in a Tarantino movie, and in this movie, he's Mickey, the crazy Tarantino film student. Which, how the fuck does that crossover become a real That's thing? Seriously, That's tell great. me how. But it happened. I love it. No, I love it. I love it. I love it. No, that whole scene is probably. 
you know, that scene and then the ending of the movie as we're, you know, getting down from the climax, I feel like, are probably my favorite parts of it. You know, the scene, because I was also in a film class in college and we would have similar conversations in a room just like that. So, you know, it's just funny because I can totally, we weren't talking about horror and we weren't talking about sequels, but we would just talk about movies. You know, we watched Nosferatu, we watched Citizen Kane, we watched Chinatown. Of course, those are always the ones. That you got to always, you have to always. Watch. I can't but, even remember I, what else we watched, but other ones that I those definitely are, oh, those seen. Are, we watched. Yeah, we those watched, are the ones that my like that my kid watched in her her film class as well. But I have to ask you this yeah. because this is a female perspective that it, that is required required in this movie. Is it just me, or is everyone's hair in this movie way better? than their hair in the first movie? Even Courtney's hair is more on point. Those red streaks. I mean, come well, on. I was going to, so that was another comment that I was going to make was that every, every screen movie, I feel like Courtney Cox's hair is fucking iconic because the first one is just iconic. Cause it's the first one. This is how we're introduced to Gail Weathers in that lime green suit. It's like that, frosted bangs, right? Frosted it's like, bangs. It's like a super frosted right? front. Like, it's like highlighted. A, yeah. No frosted. Yeah. The highlights are a little different. Like she definitely okay, had frosting. Okay, okay. But then the second one, you're right. We got the shorter Bob. With the red, I like this. This is probably my favorite. My wife confirmed it was a bob. I wanted to make sure I was yeah. right on that. Something like that. If I'm wrong, whatever. But it's short. But the third, the third one, we don't even, we don't even want to bring that up. Dude, That's a meme, and she knows it too. She knows that. That's what I'm saying. Like, and even in another show that I'm watching, somebody got those bangs, and I'm like, what the? F-? Nobody like bangs that are like half your forehead, like. I mean, I'm gonna have my six year old. I'm gonna have my six year old cut my fucking hair for this movie. Yeah, I just I'm gonna have her cut my hair. Hard no. Well, even in the third one, they were less than half. They were like the top quarter of her forehead, so that was just a hard no. And then the fourth one, I feel like it wasn't her hair that was on showcase, it was the fillers. So a little different. Okay. Uh, <laughs> I think it was I just had to, I just had to bring it up. I'm just like, even the dudes though. I mean, like Jamie Kennedy, his, his hair's on point, he's got like the nice little I, I tried it too when I was like really young. That little, like it's, it's the, the coffee coffee house guy, the coffee house guy goatee with the little soul patch at the bottom part. You know? No, you're yeah. right. No, you're right. He definitely like looked cooler. You know, uh, Randy's character definitely looked cooler in the second one. But yeah, so after they leave the class, I think is when we do we meet the boyfriend yet? We meet the boyfriend. Yeah, Randy. She 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 comes to Randy's class. Because she's like, I, I need your support here. Randy's obviously in love with Sydney, and they're walking out together. He does the strange British accent, which apparently, based on Jamie Kennedy, like his commentary, like came out of nowhere, wasn't planned or anything. And then, of course, we get the heartthrob, we get Jerry O'Connell, we get Derek walking up. Oh, yeah. Beefcake. Oh, my baby. God. Take a slice out of that and eat it as soon as you see Seriously, it. Seriously. Like, whoo. But for me, after that scene happens, what happens for me is my heart drops and you hear that classic Western gunslinger music from Marco Beltrami and we see Dewey, the Dewey hero theme. It literally makes my heart flutter when he shows up. He's literally the, the purest character of the entire series and walking with that limp, which magically goes away well, by part three and part four. Because it gets stabbed uh, again and then it goes away. Yeah, it fixes it. It fixes it. So would it be like, just like get rid of the nerve? Like, I don't know. So wait, so that explains I, I have a question then. So if you love Dewey okay. so much, have you heard of the alternate theory? That he's, Which alternate theory? Which that one? That he's been involved this whole time. 
There are many different theories. Right, there's many we different, get, like... We can, we, we can get into all of them at the so end. So I guess I mean, my question would be, do you think that any of any possibility of him being involved is, is possible? No. Sure. He is... Dewey is pure at heart. I kind of... No. I totally agree with that, and I think the reason why people want to love that is because of Scary Movie, and Doofy's character is the... Oh, Doofy, Doofy! Dave Sheridan is... I, oh, he's great. Dude, I got I those mean, pins... He just did a, a photo op at Monster Mania, New Jersey, as the character, and he still looks the same as the movie. Well, it's so I funny was so because that I couldn't make. Well, it's it. funny because I'm re. I just rewatched Scary Movie, and the end when he you know takes off all the stuff, and he's like this stud, and I'm like, God damn, like, wow, like that was like a trans- <laughs> transformation. Because you're right, like even right now when he gets into that character, I still see that dumbass fucking doof doofus that doesn't look anything like the handsome man yeah. you know and even in other movies i actually just watched a movie he was in on hulu and he's like the cop like last resort or something it was bad um really Ooh. bad really it was like a new movie they go to yeah or like something resort and they, they go to hawaii to this like abandoned resort and this is like the half-faced girl. It's bad, guys. It's bad. It sounds like something I'd be watching at 2 a.m. after I drank like a whole bottle of whiskey. I was going to say, it was kind of like on in the background. So I was like, yeah. it, it sounded cool. But then I was like, but he was like the um, police officer who was like interviewing this girl while she's like telling the story. But it's funny because that's when I like realized like, oh, yeah, like he's in fucking scary movie. And the other one on um, Hatchet. No, he's in Victor Crowley. There you right. Go. He's in Victor Crowley, not in the Hatchet ones. Well, same, but that movie. And then I'm trying to think of, I don't really know if I've seen him in anything else, but he's like sprinkled himself around since scary movies. So I do like that. All right. And then what did I want to talk about, Oh, I did want to talk about who Mrs. Loomis is because um, I always did love that it was Jackie from Roseanne. I just, I felt like because I watched that growing up, that was a huge, like, like big meta part for me that I would yeah, never yeah, picture yeah. her as a killer. You know what I mean? She yeah. doesn't play crazy characters, at least nothing that I've seen from her. Um, but yeah, I mean, when watching this movie, that was the question I had for you when watching it for the first time, do you really ever look at Lori Metcalf, you know, Aunt Jackie as Debbie Saul as a possible subject for being the killer? I mean, no. sure. Casting someone that well known at the time as a tiny role doesn't really make much sense. Um, but I think the reveal has a major impact when it hits. I mean, uh, Timothy Elephant's Mickey is a lot more obvious. I mean, you see it right. like right from the beginning. But her character, you're like, oh, she's just some weird news lady. But why Why did they cast Aunt Jackie in this shit? Right. You know? Is she really just a minor character? Because yeah. she does kind of pop up out of nowhere. She has more lines right. than Mickey, actually. No, you're so. right. She's right. She just kind of pops up out of nowhere. It's great. Oh, you already talked about the hair. Oh, um, so, you know, Dewey came back, so that was great. We know that he's, he's quote-unquote, okay from the first one. He's got that limp. But we also find out that Sydney now wants to be an actress, which I find is really interesting that that's her major of choice, especially that she's in this creepy play that we do get to see the, like, I think it's the dress rehearsal eventually. Um, and, you know, throughout this whole, like, college you know, campus scene and they're all chatting. It's Sydney, her roommate, Mickey, um, Randy. I'm trying to think of who else. Dewey might've been right there. Mickey's videotaping 
And I think that that's really important to remember as you're watching this as like a second or third watch, because I didn't notice that until a scene we'll talk about later. And then now, now when we're talking about it, you know, he's videotaping them and for, well, that's what I was yeah playing off of what I was saying earlier. That's why he's the more obvious suspect, because when you get to that portion of the film where, you know, Gail and Dewey are looking over the footage and get, and, and and Gail's like, this isn't my footage. You're like, Oh, who else was filming with a video camera? Oh, okay. So that's why watching it in retrospect, I mean, your first time is one thing, but watching it a second or third time, you're like, there's only one other person that's been filming. So yeah. Who is it? Yeah. That's the guy. No, definitely. And, and yeah, it's, well, we can get more into that scene later. Cause there's definitely way more to that, but you know, it's, it's an interesting twist that they put in this that I really, you know, I think maybe I underestimated when I first started watching it because like I said, I've been jaded by a scary movie. Unfortunately, I, that sucks so much. That hurts me so bad that, you had you you had to watch this after you watched that. Well, that's the thing is, I I really and I was thinking about that earlier when I was driving. I'm like, God, for somebody who fucking loves horror, like, how can you not remember when you watch these first? But I honestly think it's because that was just what I wanted to watch. So like, it didn't occur to me to like. There are certain movies. Don't get me wrong. I remember watching, but it's because you know, like my mom and I taped it on TV, like the Stephen King Storm of the Century, or when he had it. Like I definitely remember. Because we taped it on VHS and we had to like watch it in the basement. You know what I mean? So there was like scenarios of like that happening. But like as I got older and like I could just watch what I wanted, it just kind of like unfortunately just blurred together. Or I would be at a sleepover. Oh, there it is. And just like don't remember at all. Like (laughs) That's what I was going to say. There's that or for some strange reason, I can't remember when my sister graduated high school or, you know. My cousin had a baby, but I remember every single time I went to the movie theater because I, I remember the lead up to it. Yeah. That me and my friends either went out for pizza or we smoked a bowl in the alleyway outside of the retro theater, you know, randomly and then <laughs> snuck in or whatever those things are. That's how I remember. So my show, for example, if you you know, your listeners ever want to check it out, when they hear me talk about an old movie, you'll know exactly when I saw it for the first time because I remember every almost every. 95% of the time, exactly when, whether it was on VHS, DVD, or in the theater. And if I saw it in the theater, what happened? Yeah. And I can't tell you why those experiences are so important to me. I think it's just because that's my passion that I love film that much. Yep. But we all have those things. I mean, people remember their first kiss. People remember the first time they had sex. People remember, yeah. you know, whatever, fill in the blank. For me, it's like that one time that I saw that one shitty fucking horror movie <laughs> in the theater. <laughs> No, and a random some random girl was sitting next to me, and I kissed her on the cheek, and she slapped. Me. No, seriously, like I remember certain movies. Like I remember seeing Cabin Fever. I remember seeing Freddy vs. Jason. Ooh. I remember seeing, you know, a few movies, but I haven't unfortunately had the opportunity to share those stories yet. But I do remember those. You'll get there. But those are you older. Plenty, you know, you got plenty of episodes to get to that. Oh yeah. yeah, that's why it's so exciting for you. I definitely. remember the first time I watched fucking Jason Goes to Hell, and we didn't even watch it. So yeah. Because <laughs> so I remember he was like, "Let's let's get this," and I'm like, "Well, I haven't even seen." Because at this point, I definitely hadn't seen any no, of the feel Friday bad. movies. I, I, that, that's how I skipped around. I didn't watch like I mean, being that young, yeah. you got those movies by chance. You working at a video store, you know what I'm talking about. Whatever got in your hands, you're like, "Yes, Damn. give it to me." Oh my god, it's like crack. I'm gonna like one this of before. each if we're lucky. I'm, I'm gonna put it in as soon as I can. I don't care which one it is or what number it is. I just want to watch it. But no, um, the ninth. Yeah, watching. 
uh, Jason Goes to Hell was weird. But yeah, so at this scene in Scream 2, they're chatting on campus, and this is where Gail comes up to Sydney. And she surprises her with Cotton. Because she okay. tries to, like, play sweet, like, how's it going? And beep, beep. How you been? How right, you been? here's my cameraman, and we're going to talk to Cotton, like, in front of everybody, and you have no idea. So I think it's another, like, parallel to the first one in this scene. Of course, yeah, because we get the slap or the backhand. And the iconic it's line. Like- we get another line. Because in the first one, it's, you know, what is it? I'll send you a copy. Bam, bitch went down. That's bam, the line from bam. the first one. That- and this one's like, do you get that on film? Yeah. And she's like, <laughs> I got and he's that like, on film. Yes, I got that on film. <laughs> yep. no, I love it. I love it. So I feel like that's kind of a nice little, you know, familiar scene for me that I, I do appreciate. And I actually, wait, wait, of course. Yeah. This is, this is how, this is how to do a throwback to the first film and a sequel without being like on the nose. It's literally like, yo, yeah. All you motherfuckers that came in for the first one, this is for you. This is like a little cheer moment where you can clap. Right. It's not too on the nose. I mean, it is literally the same thing, but it's just kind of like, Hey, remember that? And that, that's what I love about this movie that it's doing moments like that. Yep. It's definitely, uh, redoing feelings moments character spots yes. from the first movie just in a new way well but a development it the, from the yeah, first one yeah but but, it, but it's not at the same time it's not doing it so on the nose like where movies now where they're like trying so hard it, it was very fluid it was just there was a fun thing for fans well it wasn't complicated that's, that's either to be. i think it was yeah, not at all it was you know so the, that's going to bring me to the next scene is when gail runs into dewey and at this point, Gail has oh. written her book about the Woodsboro murders, and she wrote some pretty awful stuff about Deputy Dewey woos. Right, right. Experience. It's it's funny, like their interaction here, because like I was saying, it's character development, it's things like that, and I I really appreciate that they're not still quote unquote together. You know what I mean? I feel like it's a little more of a realistic take on what it's like to kind of. I'm not really going to say fall in love, but it didn't really sound like they dated at this point. No, no, no. They just had that flame. Exactly. And then it, was it a just thing. kind of disappeared. Maybe she, maybe she visited him in the hospital to make sure. Cause at the in end the of beginning, the first yep, one, yep. yeah, that he lived, he's good. Then she's off. She wrote her book. She's a huge success. Right. She's and she went rich. Yep. Apparently I, I would assume rich bestseller book. Yeah. Something. I mean, um, she's definitely doing a little bit better. So I think yeah. like, and she's definitely like become a, t- I mean the hair, the hair, the hair, the hair just says it all. The, <laughs> the hair better. got better. So. <laughs> there it is. But yeah, so it's, it's interesting their conversation that they have and, you know, I think it's funny. Like, can you imagine like having a, a light fling with somebody, but spending time with them and and then them having the ability to write their personal feelings about you? And so it's kind of interesting to, you know, she was saying that it wasn't true, but the book is supposed to be true. So I'm not really sure if she did classify it as. Well, she said it's a character. Right, right. It's a character in a book. But that's the thing right. is like, was she trying to write? a true story or was she not? So that's, that's another part of this story that I think, you know, is interesting because I think it was this movie that they say like the media like makes up stuff sometimes. Yeah. I mean, this is also a commentary, a strange commentary before (laughs) it's even a thing on true crime. Yes. Because there are so many podcasts, freelance writers, bloggers, and such, and and of course, you know, novelists that write books based on yep. true occurrences, and they just kind of 
elaborate and provide their own perspective and make it a little more juicy. So it's definitely playing off of that, but way before it was as relevant as it is now. Mm -hmm. I mean, think about us being in the podcast world, how many true crime podcasts there are. There's so many. And and (laughs) how well they do. And half the time, I mean, I've listened to a few. Listen, I know the OJ case, like the back of my fucking hand. Half of y'all don't know what the fuck you're talking about. Mm -hmm. Just saying, just saying, but the juicier, you know, the more you elaborate on the possibilities, the better it is, the more people you get to listen. So I understand that's the same thing for a book or, you know, a movie based on, you know, real actual events. No, definitely. 48 so, Hours is like my favorite show and Forensic Files. Oh. So Forensic Files, I've been watching all day today while I work. It's my favorite show. I watched all day. There's a channel for it. I watch it. Yeah. yeah. HLN, I know. Oh, I know. There it is. It's always there on. It is. Oh my God. I was watching Forensic Files before it was Forensic Files when it was Medical Detectives. Yeah, I oh became a chemist because I God. wanted to do that. And then I realized everybody wants to do that now. So shit. Is there a Forensic Files podcast yet? I swear to God. Maybe we need Oh my to- God. <laughs> I have like memorized those episodes. It just makes me sad. Do you know the guy's name that does the narration? Peter Thomas. Dead. Yeah, I know yeah, who it dead. is. He's dead. He's dead. He's been dead for a while. He's dead? He did a Burger King commercial like when we were younger. He, what? He's dead? He's dead. He's dead. Wow. That just he's really dead. made me sad. <laughs> well, I got, I got to move on to Damn. as we go on on the screen. Anyway. Too. um, Sorry, Peter Thomas. Do you want to? Do you want to die tonight, Cece? <laughs> I got to get to this because moving along to the the sorority. Well, wait party. before before we get to that. You're right. Okay. We're getting to the party that the roommate was trying to get Sydney to go to because she's trying to get Sydney to join this sorority, and it's Rebecca Gayhart and Portia de Rossi, who are these sorority sisters of what was it? The Noxima girl. Uh, yes, 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 the Noxima girl. But I'm trying to think of. What their stupid sorority was, because it was three letters, and I was in Kappa a sorority. Beta, Kappa Beta Delta. Something, right? Delta, right? Something. Whatever. They were like, they were like a, but it's, but she was like a Delta Gamma Zeta, and I'm a Delta. There you go. There it is. And you, I'm a, you got it. Because I'm a Delta it Zeta. It's funny, because I'm a DZ, and I was like, usually girl sororities aren't three names, but Alpha Chi Omega is a real sorority, because I'm, like, when I mean real, I mean you're nationally affiliated. Because you'll learn really quick when you go to school. If you don't have a chapter, you're just a gang. Um, <laughs> but anyway, I just love how I just love how over the top they are when they walk over. Their performances are literally. That's the one thing about this movie. Perfect. Uh, they come off as like almost cartoonish the way they walk over. Yeah, we're the Barbie dolls. Hi, Hello, I mean that. Hi. Like, ah. No, totally. I, I love. It. We have our eyes on you, Sydney. <laughs> it's perfect. I feel are like. You, are you bringing your little friend to the party? <laughs> free drinks it's just great and i love how when they get to the party they're playing fucking dave matthews in the background and i'm just like oh no please a part of me just like kind of dies because i understand that that's the era you know late 90s believe me i was there i lived it but no not my not my kind of music but mine either mine either I mean, I like like one song that he did. It okay. wasn't one on You're the radio. It. it wasn't. You're admitting it. That's fine. It's one That's fine. song. It wasn't on the radio, and I'm not even going to say them. what it is. Just, but you got to be honest with your listeners. It's you one, tell them. right? It's one. But if I'm going to choose music, is he on? Is he on my phone? No. So there we go. Not even that song is on there. But anyway, but the party's like super calm, and people are just kind of like hanging out. One person's doing a goddamn keg stand. 
And nobody's even in line to do more. And I'm. I was gonna say. I was gonna say. I mean, listen. It's like a house party. Like it's not even a college this party. Is a, this is a college house party. I mean, for me, but even in high school, there was a line around the fucking house for the kids. Yes, that's why I was like, is what kind of school? Like, because my I went to. A, I mean, I I went to a party school. So I mean, you tell me. You tell me though. When you're watching this scene, are you feeling like? A, they're not drunk enough. Two, when you watch the scene, you want to drink more while you're watching it so you could be drunker at the fake party. That's how I feel. Man, this party's not live enough. I need to get, I need to pound some more drinks so I can make this. Drink for them. Like, no, seriously. That's the one thing that I'm like, that's a little unrealistic. Like definitely in the nineties, I know they were partying. So this just seems like a little hard, a little harder, especially if they're playing Dave Matthews for sure. But so we get a quick clip of that and then we jump to Sarah Michelle Geller, right. who is a sober sister. We get the whole, do you want to die tonight, Cece? And this is Sarah Michelle Geller's second slasher of the year. She showed up in one of the, my other favorite slashers just two months before this in October of 97 with, I know what you did last summer. I was going to say, they must have filmed these close well kevin williamson wrote both of them oh yeah so you're right there was a thing there Very and she true. was so big with buffy they just needed her they wanted that star yep. power and at this point in time with the second screen movie i remember you know reading the casting agents uh blurbs and stuff stating that like we couldn't push enough people away everybody wanted to be in scream too because of how big the first one yeah. was all these up and coming unknown actors i mean literally if you look at the first movie there's really not one single big star in it. Um, Henry Winkler. Excuse me. Okay, well, it had been a while. Um, I love Happy Days. I don't know about you guys. I'm, I'm just kidding. No, you're right. You're right. Say, no, you're right. You're right. I mean, hey, listen, 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 listen. <laughs> I watched Happy Days growing up on TV land. But what I'm saying is, and I love him in that movie. No, sure. Star He's power. so hilarious. But, but like, there's no big name on the marquee, you know. Well, Drew. was so powerful about that movie. It was Drew. There, it was, but... Right. No, it was perspective. perspective. <laughs> it was Drew for knowing, like a minute. Well, Drew knowing, was the I mean, initial. Her face is on the poster. Yeah. Well, I mean, she's the only one. Right. She's the only one with any star power. Right. Everyone else. I mean, you know, Nev was on Party of Five. I mean, you yeah. know, Skeet was an up and coming Johnny Depp wannabe. And she was an Are Afraid of the Dark. Some of us remember that. <laughs> and also Nev had already done The Craft, too. So, I mean, she had did already done the Did she do The Craft, the craft before this? Yeah, she, I think you're craft, right. Yeah. yeah, The Craft came before Scream. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it did. Because so. that was 90. I mean, it wasn't, it wasn't a huge hit or anything, no. or any, but that was a, a big say in why she got this role. But when you look at this movie, it's like everyone wanted to be in it. So they just wanted Sarah in the movie for obvious reasons. And I love this scene. I think it's one of the best stalk and slash scenes in the entire movie. Yes. She's just sitting there. She's sober. She's a good girl. There's literally, there's not one thing about her that's unlikable. She, didn't, she wasn't even drinking. She wasn't having sex. I mean, was it? That she got killed because of the sweater combo. That's what I like to think because the pink, the pink sweater. It's just the pink. It's like, and, and those brown shoes with with. I mean, the bell bottom shoes, the, the, the bell bottom pants. They're, they're they're bell bottoms with the brown shoes. Well, they're like the a kick flare. Sweater. They're like a kick. Is flare. that what they are? Is that what they, you tell me? Correct me if I'm wrong. Because I remember the the bell bottoms are the, the the longer. I mean, I was wearing jenkos that were like 50 inches at that. I was gonna point. say so, I, mean, I definitely it, wore some fucking sick jenkos, but they were more of like they cover my feet, but they were definitely more of like a wide leg pant because they were women's. Okay. So they looked a little more thin on my butt. It's funny. I swear to God, when you say wide leg, I just remember now like looking at the pants to make sure it said wide leg. And then like six years later, I was like, babe, I'm wearing your pants. Are these tight enough? I know. Seriously. I'm going to the girls. I was just going to say, because my husband just like, well, not just but like over the last like 40, three or four years, 
he's been a little more accepting into, you know, a little bit more of a fitted pant because when I met him, he was like not wearing Jenkos, but he was wearing like a wide leg, like wrap pant that I was like, um, you have chicken legs. Uh, you shouldn't be like, it just didn't even look good because not that you need to show off your legs, but it made him look fat. And there was, you know, so I said, I'm like, you don't need to wear like a tight jean. Like I wear where it's like, you got to fucking you know, roll it off of you. I just made sure. I just made sure at the time that I dated girls that had pants that could fit me. So I'm like, we can at least share clothes <laughs> so I can save money. But I love it. But no, it's funny. It's, it's funny perfect. because you're, you're talking about her wardrobe and I'm like, I love her hair though. It's another Bob. Is it not? Um, is it's it a, a flip. It's, she's got it? the little, a flip. Okay, she's got a little okay. flip shoulder length flip. But she also, she's such a nice girl and she gets two gigantic like full fledged stabs to the back and then thrown off the top of this roof, like a big bag of garbage. Well, I feel like, and there's like this, there's this slow static shot of her dead lifeless body. And then like, it lasts for like three seconds followed by an ever clear song blasting. Is there anything more nineties? Well, that's why I was like, the music, I was like, what? I I feel like it would have hit her death would have hit a little more seriously if they didn't, play that Everclear song that quickly. I feel like he should have wiped the blood off the knife and they should have given it one second and then they go into the Everclear. I just felt like it was a little too quick. Well, here's the thing. You know you know why that music's there, though? And it goes back to what we were talking about earlier and that heat that Wes got from the first movie. They were definitely trying to play this off because, okay, we'll go back to the first movie very quickly. The only reason that the first movie got the R rating that it did instead of the X is because Harvey Weinstein called excuse me bob weinstein i, I was gonna say it was probably bob yeah it was bob harvey, it was bob harvey was just he, bob, well, well harvey and bob both had a lot to say about the movie but it was bob that called the mpaa yeah and told the mpa that the first film was a comedy yes and that's how they and that's how they got the movie you're passed right you're totally with, right yeah. i just watched the damn thing like a few months ago and i just remembered that when you said it he did the say still that screaming doc yeah, he yeah, said yeah. it well, he says it yeah. in it, and I think then you're because that's why I said I'm like Bob's was more involved in this. Yeah. Movie. So in this movie, so yeah, and with this one, I think they were just trying to do as much as they could to get that impact. Yeah. But when when the music plays that quickly, I mean, again, there's a static shot of Sarah Michelle Gellar literally laying there, flat out like corpse, yes. dead as yeah. fuck. And then like whenever Clear plays, it's like oh, it's kind of lighthearted because like an alternative pop song plays right immediately after she's dead. Right. So that that plays into that which lightens the mood. If it has been like flat dead. And then like it goes to another scene with no light alternative song. Nope, you're going to cut that. I feel like you know? so Well, and I think too maybe her death was more exaggerated because and I know he did last summer, we didn't get anything out of her death. We got nothing. Nothing. Yeah, it was off screen. All yeah. off screen, I mean, which is okay. We get, hair, we get to see her, her beautiful hair like chopped off and stuff. Well, we got her. We, yeah, but. we saw her tormented, you know. But so yeah, so Sarah Michelle Geller, Sarah the Sarah Michelle Geller, Sarah <laughs> Michelle. Let's do this together. Can we do it together? Sarah, Sarah Michelle, Michelle Geller. Geller. Okay. <laughs> I can't even say her damn name. It's hard to say. It's hard. It's to like say. a tongue twister at this point. Um. Uh. But it's funny. I think it's too. It's funny that in the scary movies, they don't reference her death at all. I always thought that that was kind of interesting. They picked other parts of this movie. And I'm really glad that they didn't touch any of this because 
It really is an effectively scary chase. You know what I mean? It reminds me of the scene in the first one when Sydney's being yep. chased in the house and when, you know, he gets away and Billy comes and, you know, blah, blah, blah. And Dewey's there. Um, you know, I, I feel like it, it's trying to get you to think of like, well, who is doing this one? Like, I don't really know. It's and, probably and right. It's and probably, also why. Well, right. Because it's why her at this point too. And I think it's a, it's a random killing. And I love that about it because pulls you off track like well why is this happening well, but is it random because think about it we already heard well casey well, her name is cc well they call her cc but her name is casey but wait no that well, too but wait but the also because in the film class scene she comments to mickey that he has a hard-on for cameron because he was obsessed with t2 and he mentioned um another cameron sequel so yeah. i think that she was point picked out because of her statements. In oh, really? Class. He got, so, so that's like, that's like literally the equivalent of being on Twitter right now <laughs> and some dude being mad at some chick. Like, Oh really? You called me out because I like Cameron that much. I'm going to come fucking kill you. Seriously. But if that. you think I mean, about it, that's why he said like, I'm blaming the movie. I see what you're saying. I see what you're saying. A lot of guys are probably that nutty in, in terms of their aggression. He seemed pretty crazy females. in this one. So, yeah, no, he's definitely, I mean, he's the crazy Tarantino film star. Right, right. Sure. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, so then this is when, you know, she's dead and they're, it's back to the party. But now we start to see that the kids are, you know, the police are coming to the other house. Because I don't think she called, I have no idea. Oh, their alarm, I think, on her house was going off because she was thrown out the window. Yeah. So the police were called. So the cops are going through the neighborhood and this is probably like a, you know, sorority fraternity row and the other party that Sydney and her roommate are at with the two sorority girls we were talking about earlier, they called to everybody and say, Hey, we got to go run over to the other house because something's going on. And that's when we, and you know, the cool reference in this scene, right? Don't what you? was that? You know, the cool reference in this scene is that Matthew Lillard is in the background. I heard, I just found that out the other day and I was like, damn with, it. With super, with super bleach blonde hair and glasses. I got it. See now I see. I almost, when I watched it again last night, I almost rewound it. My, to- wife, my wife, when we watched it tonight, she picked him out. She was a huge Matthew Lillard fan, like hardcore, like one of those girls that had a thing. She still does. Um, I mean, he's good and good girls. Do you guys watch? She them? loves that show. We love that show. So it's her good. favorite show. It's so good. It's so, it, it sucks so bad. They're only doing one more season and then they're ending it. But, um, but yeah, so apparently they, they cast him to come back as a background character just in case they wanted him to be a possible suspect, like in case they were going to bring him back from the dead. That's those are his words. So they were possibly thinking about bringing Stu back from the dead. That's why he's in that scene. That's crazy. But he totally forgot that he was in that scene until like 20 years later when a TMZ guy was like, yo, you're that guy from scream too. And he's like, no scream. And they're like, no, you're in that one party scene. And he totally forgot that he was there. <laughs> they just a- cast him for that night, paid him. And they were like, just in case we want to have you as like, you know, another red herring or we're going to use you. That's amazing. Because because uh, one of the storylines originally was they were going to bring him back and have him be the killer in part two. Oh, yes. Because I heard about the other one where they, the script was leaked somehow online in 97 and it was supposed to be Haley and her boyfriend, yep. Derek, Jerry O'Connell's That's character, right. That's right. which I think would have been maybe a tiny bit obvious on the boyfriend's part, depending on, we don't need another boyfriend killer. Well, depending on how they, played him out through the movie because I feel like for Billy, they did a good job with you not really suspecting Billy. You know what I mean? Sometimes. Sure. Now looking back on it. Yes. 
But like, well, he's a little dark. He's a little bit edgy. Well, some of the yeah, things I mean, that he says when he shows up, I feel like it's a little too obvious. You know what I mean? Yeah. And for sure, I think too. You know, they were trying to make it so that her friend was probably the the one that was the most shocking her roommate you know what i mean and that's why i think they wanted to go that way was that maybe the boyfriend would have been the obvious one but the friend and, and roommate wouldn't have been i think that well because she well she's also she's also so genuine yeah. and so helpful and well but would they have her? changed her character if she was because that's the thing is we don't really know where they changed the script once it was leaked well or here's do we? the thing with, well, we can get into that at the end of this. We will. We will. We will. We're always getting ahead of ourselves. But I mean, the, the, the true point of the fact here is that Williamson has said he's claimed that that was a bogus ending, that they wrote three bogus endings to push people off because they knew that they would leak. Mm. We don't know now okay. which one is exactly. I mean, there is that leak script, like I said earlier on, that I've never fully read. Yep. If that's the version oh, okay. that he's claiming is one of the bogus ending scripts, because everyone on the production uh, has said that while they were shooting the movie, that they had everything in the script that was like, I guess, uh, like stamped all over it, except for the last 20 pages. And only the people involved in the last 20 pages of the story were given those pages as they shot like per day. Oh shit. Okay. So yeah. that's pretty secretive. Yeah. So, I mean, that, this is right in the beginning of the internet. So it's like, think about that now where like, I mean, literally I'm, I'm thinking about right now, like the flash movie or the Batman or anything like that, where people are on set for every second of it. If you're shooting on location, everyone's there. Yeah. People, their phones everywhere shooting video. So it's so hard to like hide anything. Yeah. 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 Um, no, sure. But, and people are always but, down to like make money or be that person to like spread yeah, the news. So everyone wants to find out. But I have to say, with this scene though, you know, moving on from you know seeing Matthew Lillard at the party, and everyone's like, "Hey, something's going on over at this house," and we know that Cece has died. When um, I think we see and, we see Debbie Salt. Yep. Yeah, well, we have Sydney gets the call. Oh, she answers the phone. Right. They go out of the house, and then and, Sydney comes back, answers yeah, the phone and, like an idiot. It, what I well, she's. Of course she has to, because we, we, we need to see him again. And as much as I adore Ghostface, I mean, I want to show you. He's, he's right here. He's like there. He's. Oh, my he, God. He's, he's there. See, That's awesome. He's, right there. he's there. I mean, as much as I love him, he's like one of my favorite icons of all time. But I swear to God, this motherfucker has to be one of the clumsiest laziest horror icons of all time. Sure, that costume was sort of long and a trip hazard, but dude. Should have bumps and bruises everywhere. He trips all over fucking everything. 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 Like, I was believable so when it was Stu, but now you're like, God damn it. Is that just a characteristic? Like, who, who is that clumsy? Like, so there's that back to your question earlier. Who's falling the fuck over in this scene? Because Mickey seems pretty sturdy. Is it? Is it Mrs. Loomis? I mean. But we just. Did we already see her before or after this part? No. After this. Oh, so it is after right? this. So, is it after? Well, because where's Mickey though? That's the thing is he was he was at that party with them at the sorority party. He disappeared. He could he, he could have he just went upstairs and changed. True. So that's this that's why this movie's kind of nice is you kind of don't know, you know, because you're not paying attention to them really when you're when no. you're first watching it and seeing like where they are. But it's so funny when he like I just love it so I hate it. It's like when you look at like Jason or Michael Myers, or even Freddy, or anything like that. Like, they're these multi-powerful fucking, like, they're just, like, untouchable. You know, they might get hurt, but they're, they're not, like, 
they don't fall over flat in their face and ghost face like every movie blue, blue, you know, getting tripped like a real dude. And I love that about him. He's like very realistic, but it's also very funny because it's well, like, because he's not, well, he's not a myth. That's the thing is I think the, the one thing that makes ghost face, you know, so much more of a, you know, uh, a killer like us, if you will, is he's like a serial killer. You know what I mean? He's, he's somebody that you wouldn't think of. He's somebody that you wouldn't assume it's, it's just like when when everybody found out that Bundy was the rapist at Alpha Chi Omega. You know what I mean? And, yeah. and the and the killer there. You would you would have never thought. Never. You, never you know what I mean? Like you would have yeah. never thought it was him because of the way. Very he unassuming. Looked. Yeah. Right. Just you know, and it's not by looks. It's by personality and it's by actions and things like that. So Sydney gets attacked at the house after she answers the phone because of course she discovers that he's in the house um, or she. So running around, and of course, her boyfriend tries to come and save her, but he gets attacked also. And you see that it's possibly not him, at least in this scene, because he's stabbed through the door. And then he gets face to face with Ghostface and ends up getting like sliced kind of on the arm, missing some arteries and things like that. So he just gets kind of like a flesh wound, a little cut. And Dewey is also there. He comes up and hears everything that's going on. But I'm sure that it's because they were down the street for Cece's death. So Dewey's just there because he's already there. And Debbie Salt has also, you know, we already said that. Uh, oh, that's what I said. No, 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 you're fine. I just totally like <laughs> repeated what I said. So don't worry. I have to like delete it. Oh, and then we get to the scene where they're in the lunchroom. So the next day. They kind of like jump around in this because I saw a scene, I think after the, when I saw like a deleted scene when they were like in the hospital or something or like after the hospital and Jerry or Derek's character, I don't know. Like I said, the next scene though, they go in the lunchroom and they're all trying to like be normal and. Well, we can't forget. We have to, we have to go over the, one of my favorite scenes in the entire movie, which happens before that. Um, Hold on. No, you say it because if I missed it, that's totally, it's totally. Actually, no, you're right. Because I was going to say, I think, I don't think it probably ends, you know, way differently than I'm talking about. But well, I'll I'll just do this and you can enter this in and then this will be terrible. And then your listeners will laugh and then we can go from there. (laughs) I think I love you. So what am I so afraid of? I'm not sure if a love there is no cure for. I think I love you so much. I'm so afraid of. <laughs> I love it. I think I love you. <laughs> Sweet cafeteria singing. <laughs> I love it. But yeah, like I was going to say, so he like sings her this song in the calf because she's been going through all this shit to make her feel better and protected. And he gives her his fraternity necklace, yeah, which isn't really a thing, by the way. Against the rules, against the rules. But that's right? like not right. what happens. Like, that's not what happens. Like, I'm, I, oh. that's at least not how it happened okay. when I went to school. Like, okay. it was weird. Like, well, not like in the sense of like, it's a bad thing that you do it and you can't do it. And it was weird. Like the way that they made it. I mean, the other scene too, later when they like kidnap him and stuff, it was just kind of like, that's not. I didn't think, I don't know. We wouldn't really give away our letters to anybody. That's another thing. Like I can't even drink in my letters. Well, at least when I was in school, I couldn't. 
but like I couldn't like be drinking. And- See, this is all foreign to me. I never went to college. <laughs> I lived in college towns my entire life and drank at them and hung out there at them, go. but never went to college. I just got the, the benefits of being there Hell yeah. and, and, and lived like I was a college guy Hell until yeah. I was like 32 and pretended like I was, but you know, so I don't know anything. I let's just say, I don't know anything about the, the rules and guidelines. Well, it's here, funny but- though, because watching this movie and then being in a frater- sorority are just kind of like, that's huh. Pinning isn't a thing. Huh. Like, you know, it's just kind of, it's just kind of funny, but she takes the necklace and it's going to protect her or whatever. <laughs> I mean, I just, I just love this, the, the, the scene because it's Jerry O'Connell singing this song that uh, was not popular. Apparently he didn't like it. No one in the cast liked it. He doesn't sing it well, which is why I just sang it because I, I actually, you know what? I know I'm not a good singer anymore in terms of singing, singing. I haven't sang in a long time. I usually just scream, but <laughs> I guarantee you that it's probably better than what Jerry O'Connell sounded like. In the original tracks for that movie, I'm going to give myself some. Yeah, there you go. Four four drinks deep. No, definitely. Just saying, just saying, just saying. um, It's a thing. And that scene has always come off as being a little bit weird. Yeah, it's it's Tom Cruise and Top Gun. Right. When he's at the bar or whatever. Yeah. But 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 even people at the time that watched the movie were like "Uh, Top Gun. That was like the 80s. I was like, I I get it. Way too long on that shit. But no, I, um, I love Top Gun. But no, I think then the next scene is when Randy and Dewey are together. Baskin Robbins. Yep. They both get Baskin Robbins. There's something one with Dewey ice and ice cream. Cream. One gets a shake. And well, there's something with Dewey and ice cream, too, because in the first one, he's eating ice cream after the girls go to the store and we see Ghostface in the. That's right. You know, and that's then we right. see there's... Dewey eating ice cream. So that's why people have that theory, too. But anyway, so Randy and Dewey are at Baskin Robbins eating some ice cream, talking about who the killer could be and the fact. And we get the Randy's sequel yep. rules, which I always love them. And I have to I have to state them while we're yes, here, here. Do it. We have to do Please. It. The body count is always bigger. The death scenes are always much more elaborate, more blood and gore, carnage candy. And of course, Randy starts to describe the third rule. If you want your films to become a successful franchise, never, ever. And then Dewey, like, totally interrupts him. And then, like, they start talking about who's a suspect. Well, everybody's a suspect. But he says that never, ever, under any circumstance, assume that the killer is dead. Which, again, this is referencing Randy's last line in the first screen, which he stated that a killer always comes back to life for one last scare. Yes. So... I love the the throwback to that, but I, and I also love how like this is a scene where it's two of our favorite characters, like our two biggest nerdy characters yeah. in the movie, the two most lovable characters, mm-hmm. our two biggest heroes, yeah. right, are sitting having fucking Baskin Robin just bullshitting <laughs> about this while they're watching like a scene on I was entertainment just say tonight that, of from staff. staff. Well, and it's funny too <laughs> that well, it's funny that Sid's character <laughs> mentions in the first one that if they made a movie out of it, it would probably be Tori Spelling. Tori to cast Spelling, her. and then of course they got and Tori of course Spelling, right, which, and then you know, I love who's one of the worst. She's one. I mean, in my opinion, I love nine hundred two one zero. Believe me, but she's one of the worst of her, in my opinion, of her her era in terms of acting. But they got her, and uh, of course, I love Randy's line like, "I'll wait for video." It's like it's great. It's perfect. No, it's perfect. It's perfect because I think like he got a no name and. I was gonna say, and then of course Dewey gets David. There Schwimmer. we go, Schwimmer played. Yeah. yeah, so that was that was. Uh, it was cute that that was kind of like another meta moment in the movie. You know what oh, I mean? Oh yeah, we get Aniston mentioned, of course, as well. Yes. You know, with the, the nude stuff that's coming up here, the nude pictures. It was just my head. It was Jennifer Aniston's body, but um, this scene is like such a great buildup, but it leads to one of my most upsetting Same. scenes. I was just gonna say that this is like my favorite part, but then it leads to my least. We might as well just lead right to it. Like this is for me, like 
it was like the loss of a best friend. I mean, back when not everyone had a cell phone, the lead up to Randy's death is perfect. But when you were watching it for the first time on screen, I mean, I don't think you expected Randy to get it. No, I don't think that you even thought it was possible. And this is again, Wes and Kevin really playing the cards, right? Being like, well, this is the one we're going to give right. you. Cause leading up to this point, we don't have like a main player character killed off. Yet. Not yet. No, it's all minors. This is the first one. Yeah. And this, this may or may not be in my opinion, a mistake because one of the original scripts kept Randy on as the hero at the end. Mm-hmm. And I still feel like Randy could have cut his fucking arm off or cut his, you know, make him in a wheelchair. Who knows? Brutally slaughter him like Dewey, but yeah. like, keep him on like because he just lost a lot movies, of blood <laughs> well i mean like if you watch the third movie they try to make up for his absence and then in the fourth movie he's kind of like this legend and i've always said since then i'm like listen i don't give a fuck i've said this on numerous occasions and people literally shit on me for it. i'm like i don't care find out a reason to bring him back to life like he's not really dead bring him back for another one like he's such well, a see i like to think character. that the fourth one is actually a massive homage to randy because it totally is yeah because of the whole all the film kids. club aspect yes yeah, so yeah, i yeah, feel yeah. like in a like yeah it's not him but i feel like it's a great way to kind of still think about him because i'm i'm hoping kirby comes back for the fifth one but I might be sadly disappointed by that, well, but we'll see. Well, I know that I know his sister is back for the new one. Whose that, sister? The that Randy's sister. Oh, oh sure. Three. Oh, she's gonna be in yep. five. Yep, yep. She's already she's she shot her scenes. Oh, yeah, great. she's done. She's she's in it. Yeah. So so his legacy will continue. Well, that's exciting. So, uh, you know, I think that you know, knowing who's involved with the new one and not getting too far into that because we're talking about the second one. Yeah. But I think that you know keeping in mind who the most popular characters are here, make no mistake. I mean, this, this scene hurts me every time I watch it. And I think that's why Wes had some restraint. I mean, we see him like fucking hamburger meat yeah. while Cottonmouth Kings are playing suburban life in the fucking background. Um, but we don't see his death. We just see it, it's very in the background. So this is actually the scene that they wanted to be, very very graphic but yeah i saw the the effects that they did on him and he jamie wanted it yep that's why they spent all that time on the makeup and all that stuff and i think they they chose the right decision i don't know if you agree with me or not but like he's our hero character it'd be like it'd be like seeing dewey get like his neck slit and his head cut off like you don't really want that of your hero character. no definitely right? i i i'm glad that we didn't see carnage but i do think that they should have kicked up the gore a little bit earlier. You know what I mean? Because like I said, you come from that iconic opening scene from the first one to then the second one where you just feel a little more from Maureen's character than you see from what happens to Drew. And we don't even see everything. So, you know, but that's just me. But that also could have been the rating people, you know, because they want to cut you know, scenes because like the blood drips too long or it's a little too long of a hold on a certain shot. You know, I talked about that. I just recorded the Terrifier episode the other night. And Ooh, Terrifier, I love Yeah, I talked about that. And I said, I was like, the reason why they were able to get the R rating was because they had some really great editing um, 
background because Damien Leone was and is a special effects person. So he also understands like what it means. Then he know then he knows exactly how to cut yep. a chick in half yep. and, and split her down from her fucking vagina to her skull and yeah. do Look it. Look at it. <laughs> Yeah, there you go. No, it was perfect. I mean, so I feel like we could have gotten more from other kills, not Randy's per se. But yeah, Randy's scene was supposed to be like way more epic. Um, so after this, you know, he's Randy is unfortunately stabbed in Gail's um, news van. Her work van, yeah. Her, and yeah. her and her cameraman and Dewey find him. And Gail has another iconic moment with her scream when she finds yep. Randy. So we have that moment. And then I think that's the, that, that's the scene right there for me, yeah. at least that solidifies Courtney Cox as a scream queen. Yeah. Cause it's an amazing scene. And I, I think that's what plays so well about it. And that Wes, I'm, I'm leading myself to believe that Wes did it intentionally to have it be an off screen thing where, listen, we know that you all love this character. This is supposed to be an impactful scene that he's dying. Yeah. He's got brutally slaughtered. You see him real quick. He literally looks like hamburger meat. Yeah. I mean, I've seen the, the pictures of the effects where Jamie's on set sitting next to Wes and he's like complete gore, yeah, yeah. Like slaughtered. It looks like American Werewolf in London. Shit. No, it's but, perfect. Um, but her just the, the, the close up real quick zoom scene on Courtney's face with Gail. You know, I think that's all you really needed. And I think that was very tasteful. Yeah. I don't think anyone wanted like, I mean if I saw Randy get like brutally slaughtered slashed up, I'd feel probably really upset over that. Cause the, the whole lead up to that, like I was saying before, he's taunting the killer, yes. you know, he's telling him how Billy and Stu were way more original, you know, and then he'll also mentions like, you know, you'll never be Bundy Manson or OJ. And then like, he gets pulled yeah. into the van door and I'm like, you know, it, it's, it's sad. It's For, still to this day. It's still to this day. It's like, I want to, I want to put it like, you know, yeah. tattoo on my wrist. That's like forever, forever Randy. No, seriously. Cause, Cause he's the character that we all related to. He's the cinephile. He's yeah. the, he's the kid at the party in the first one. That's telling him all about Jamie Lee Curtis and Halloween. Mm -hmm. And like, mm -hmm. you know, isn't getting the girl. Yep. He's a good looking dude. He's the guy that works at the video store. No, definitely. It's not like he's like disgusting, but he's like, you know, he's just, he's trying to get through life and be that dude. And we, especially me i'm like i've been that dude <laughs> half my life no, you definitely. know like no sure so. no i'm sure a lot of guys can you know relate to his character so after so. this happens i think is when they're back at the police station because they've, they've right. found randy but we also see cotton there because i think he must have well there's that the scene in the in the library that's what oh, leads him to that yeah i'm sorry so then so so randy dies and then it's the library scene no is it because I thought that, well. The library scene. Yeah. The library scene is. Oh, right. So, right. Because. Um, right. So, yeah. So, I guess they do go right. So, why did. Why did I think. Yeah, the, li the library scene happens. And then it's it's Dewey and Gail chase, chase sequence for 25 minutes. Well, because I remember yeah. like, you know, because Cotton's kind of a dick at the police station after he's harassed Sydney because she he wants to go to, on Diane Sawyer with her. And she's kind of yeah. like, yeah, I'm not really about that exposure. Like, get the fuck. Because she's already faced a lot of that and he doesn't understand. And you kind of make it's a little more of a red herring scene for him because he's being an asshole. He grabs her arm. Yeah. He's being very forceful. Yes. Very he's forceful. He's like talking shit to her being mean. Yep. And then Gail's cameraman decides 
He's all set. He's peacing out. He leaves all of his shit and smart He's like, you need to get your head checked, bitch. Yeah, yeah. He just leaves. Fucking out of here. Right. Yeah. So then at this point, Gail is feeling very, you know, defenseless and extremely vulnerable because she doesn't really know what to do because she doesn't really have like this power that people want to think that she has because she just wrote a book. She, you know, you'd have to hire all those people that you would think about that would be able to come and help her. You know what I mean? And I, yeah, I agree. And I think you're seeing a lot of, uh, in terms of her performance in the character, people don't really give Courtney Cox a lot of respect in this series. Oh, I do. I in, this, in this film, even more so, right to your point, when she sees Cotton Weary at the police station, you see her face like she's starting to realize yeah. what she's done yeah. without dialogue, without actually saying. Yeah. It's just Wes's direction and her performance and then as they go on to like check these tapes when her and Dewey go off to, to, to go. Well, she's like, I would just want to find this fucker. Like she says that yeah. line and she gets kind of like, cause Dewey still thinks she's just here to write another book. And she's just here to be famous. Cause like we said, they didn't really date. It just kind of like didn't happen. So he's got other thoughts about her um, since the first movie. So yeah, they go into like a recording studio kind of area. It's not the theater. It's like another, like a viewing room or something. And they're trying. Yeah. It's another, it's, it's another classroom. It looks, it looks like, like or whatever, which is, which is connected to a recording studio, which is weird. It's like kind of weird, but, 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 but there are recording studio, like music, uh, classes at colleges. And no, stuff sure. Like that. So that's what it so, is. Yeah. Cause since her cameraman left all of his stuff, she was like, why don't we check the tapes? Because yep. maybe it is somebody that we, no, or it's somebody that's going to keep showing up every time somebody dies or it's somebody in the background. So like we said, they, they end up seeing like footage of themselves fighting and they kind of like, you know, get a little like googly eyed toward each other. And yeah, they kiss again. And, and then they start to. S- I was being rude. I was being. I'm sorry. I was being rude. <laughs> yeah. Like that was, your streaks, that was rude. That was rude. streaks. Your streaks. Like, it's like no Dewey. Like she is a bitch. Like you can say that. Like she is. But yeah. So then they kiss and, and, but then they start to notice that there's footage being played. That isn't something. That's not my footage. Exactly. Oh. So it's actually footage of Randy on the phone with the killer, but it's when it's at the point where, um, Gail and Dewey have, gone around trying to find other people who are on the phone while yeah Randy there's there's like there's it. like some there's like some close-up shots of uh gail's ass in that dress with those heels yeah just saying <laughs> not a bad thing no but there's definitely like other angles and views that they're seeing that were definitely not from her yeah, cameraman like, you know what i mean yeah very very weird strange angles of weird crazy things. right like, ooh. um so then so that's when they realize like somebody's in the room with them. And I think he just like appears up in the projection. Well, yeah. And Dewey starts running towards them yep. with his limp and his weird arm thing, which again, yeah. I talked about it earlier goes away by part three, because like you said, this next scene after this, you know, Gail witnesses him getting stabbed in the back again, again, which <laughs> apparently fixes nerve damage and like an arm issue if your arm looks like it's constantly in a maybe they like severed it enough that like they could repair it it's like oh <laughs> no dude now i'm totally normal thanks for stabbing me again bro i just always like i just always think of fucking um well uh monty python and the holy grail when he's like your arm's off like just just a flesh wound like i just i just it's just really 
you know, but this, this is another scene though. I mean, this is, this is, this is building yeah. because we don't know until the end of the movie that Dewey's still alive. Yeah. Like Gail gets to see him get stabbed in the back with the soundproof glass. And it's a great it's scene. It's a great, yeah. Because Ghostface, you just see him behind and, and you're the audience member going, oh my God, fuck. You're, like you're yelling at the screen, like, yeah, he's there, he's there. And then like you see they get the stab. And then of course he gets stabbed in the slow draw down the glass. Perfect. She gets chased out. Right, and he goes away, so you think that it's over. And she's try she tries to like run away, and I think she ends up hiding somewhere. And she hides in like a massive sound booth, and then I think she's able to like get into like a closet room, I think, after that. Well, she hide she must hide for a while because we don't see her for a while in the movie, because the movie pushes on to Sydney trying to leave. Yeah, Sydney in the cop car. And, well, no, Sydney. Friend. Well, first, it's before she's in the car. Her boyfriend, um, Jerry O'Connell's character, is being a little weird. So there's another red herring thrown here toward the end of the movie where Derek's kind of like acting like, well, I'll be there at the end. Like, I don't know, his facial expressions, like. How am I going to see you alone? It was just weird. Yeah, he was just being really weird. Like, I don't know. It just was weird. And then her roommate ends well, up going. Well, 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 well. It, it seems very. Uh... Reminiscent of what a 90s boyfriend might be. Particularly, it seems like, I'm just being straight no, up sure. here, just being as honest as possible, they probably haven't had sex yet. I was just going to say that too. Like, she's probably still the virgin. Um, actually, no, she's not no, because she had sex with Billy. No, no, so. no, 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 no. Well, 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 they haven't banged. Right. They haven't banged. Right. She's a virgin to she, him. <laughs> she lost her virginity to Billy Loomis in the first movie. But it seems like she's being, you know, and he seems cool that he's like a nice guy in this movie. He's playing it smart, playing it slow. Sure. But it seems like he hasn't gotten laid yet. He's like, well, what am I going to see you alone? I don't know what the fuck I'm dealing with all this shit. Right. So th that's what it comes off to me as. But I think to the audience, it's supposed to be like, well, he's another red herring, which I never saw. Like, I never saw he's even though just, one of the scripts. I always just like, there. well, I always just kind of like, I don't know. But after he, after Sydney leaves is when he gets kidnapped by his fraternity for giving Sydney that necklace. That's right. So this is when all hung up, the yep. other two sorority sisters, um, Rebecca Gayhart's character and Portia de Rossi's character also go. And this is the part that always like made me like sketched out was like, they partied like in the theater, like stage. Like that part, I was always like, that's never anything that I would have dared to do because you can get kicked off of campus for doing that. So they like tied up Jerry O'Connell's character and we're like feeding him beer and they're having this party on the stage where Sydney's play is supposed to be taking place. So at this part point, Sydney's in the car with the police officers with her roommate and they stop. And I don't even know if it was a goddamn red light or what, but they stopped and the cops are like super like, yeah, everything's cool. Like we got you. Like we can't tell you where we're going. Like we'd have to kill you. And then fucking ghost pipe through the fucking eyeball, bro. Seriously. Like fucking out of nowhere. Ghostface like gets them. And then there's just like, they're both dead literally in under a minute. And you're like, shit. And he gets in the car. Well, for me at least. And, and I have to mention this for me. I think this is, probably the most suspenseful scene in the entire movie because you have to be like so quiet you know he's in the car well, right the car crashes because the so was the passenger i forget how the car ends up getting like driven away but one of the cops is impaled um yep. through the front right of the, the car head. and yep. then the pipe there's a pipe that comes through from the back of but ghostface was driving it's the a construction car zone so ghostface no no. So how was he in the front seat when they crash? He gets in the car. 
after they crashed. Yeah. But the girls, but the girls acted like he was in there the whole time and he was, I don't know. It's a, that scene was weird because he gets knocked out from being in the car. We'll just, we'll just forget about it. No, it's okay. It's fine. <laughs> it's a weird, that's what I mean. I didn't really like exactly like detail everything. This thing would have been like 50 pages long, but I can't remember exactly how the car was ended up crashing. Cause I thought Ghostface was driving or at least like sitting in the seat. I don't remember. It doesn't matter, but he's in the front seat unconscious and the girls are in the back seat, but they're in a police car. So they can't get out the doors that's and right. there's a grate that somehow like, uh, oh, the pipe has come through and has like broken the gate. So they're able to like pull it down and climb That's through. Right. That's right. And Sydney <clears throat> is able to like quietly climb over ghosts. Listen, once we once we go an hour and 50 minutes, two hours into this thing, neither of us are going to be like, what? Well, that's why I feel bad going scene by scene. Because I'm like, wait a minute. Because if you listen to the um, Urban Legend one, even D- Dana was like, yeah, I think you like skipped the scene. Yeah. I'm like, whoops, probably. <laughs> it's okay. I'm so used to this. Don't worry about um, it. So, I'm just, I'm, I'm busting your. No, no, no. You're fine. You're fine. Um. So yeah. So then the roommate gets over him, and it's a, it is a super suspenseful, like tight scene. But the thing that kills me is they run away, and at that point, Sydney's like, "Wait, now I want to go see who it is," and only one of them goes back, and Sydney goes back and realizes Ghostface is not in the car. The roommate's like, what are you saying? And then she gets fucking, oops, she gets stabbed out of nowhere. Because he comes out of the side. Because, of course, she's by herself. So he just comes out. And then, of course, we had to kill her off. Because otherwise, she'd be another possible. Killer. No, you're right. Yeah, no, you're there right. It is. There it is. Um, I think Mickey's the killer at this point. Just like a side, like, little opinion. I think it's Mickey here because there's, like, complicated things going on. You know what I mean? Like, he's got to kind of have some kind of skill set here. Yeah, I mean, and then when we get to the ending here, I mean, there's no real way around it. For me, at least, a lot of fans hate this ending. A lot of fans, when they watched the movie for the first time, were really upset by who the killers were. They're like, oh, it's the weird, strange dude. Because, you know, Elephant wasn't uh, a big name at that point. It's the weird kid from the film club. And then it's the news reporter trick it's aunt jackie yeah. oh wait it's billy loomis's mom for so many people it too was, much it was like a well it was anticlimactic but for yeah. me I, I i guess uh a different perspective i think that the ending is very cinematic yeah uh where the first movie did it with gore and it's very yeah. uh I would guess claustrophobic because it's in this well, small center of this house. It's staged because they wanted to be the final guys. It had to be so small, but now it's cinematic. Yeah. It's huge. It's thematic. It's on this stage. Well, because it wasn't going to be and about it, Mrs. Loomis. That was the thing. Yeah. Was She was never really... I mean, that and like Mrs. Loomis was always like an afterthought in the first yeah. movie. You never really thought about right, it. Right, right. Which is why it's kind of an interesting idea. It's nowhere near as shitty as what we get in the third movie, which, yeah, if you want to do the third movie, we can do that movie and we'll do it. Um, yeah. But having the mom come back, which the mom is a central theme. Uh, mother figures are a very important theme in the first movie. So bringing that back here and having the fact that, you know, Sydney's been dealing with the loss of her mom. No, definitely. Billy did what he did in the first movie because of the loss of his mother yep. and having the mother come back here. Yep. And, and and avenging the death of her son and having it being Aunt Jackie. I mean, Lori Metcalf is one of the best 
actors, actresses, which, whichever term you want to use of her generation. Yeah. I mean, she went on to get nominated for Lady Bird and she's brilliant in that fucking movie. I mean, I love her so, so yes. much. Um, and she plays it like tongue in cheek oh, yeah. here. Um, but so it's, well, it's, yeah. her eyes are, her eyes are dead. You know, she's playing it fucking like I'm really a killer. Yeah. She put everything she had into it's it. It's great. No, I, I agree that they casted that character perfectly, you know, and this whole scene is great because it's, it's, you know, it, it also has to do with like the fact that earlier Sydney didn't even want to do the play. You know what I mean? She didn't even want exactly. to do it. And now it goes back to that. It goes back to that. Like you have to overcome like, like she did in the first movie, overcome those fears when she's talking to her director. Yep. Like, I don't believe you. I'm a fighter. Yep. And she's back here on the stage again. Right. And there's that thematic weight of the character. Like I'm back here again. Yep. I am this character. It's, it's the real play. It's for real. Right. right. And I'm doing this thing. Um, it goes right back to, you know, Wes's love of literature and books and, yep. and really pushing theater. forward with no, that. definitely. Yeah. And the, one... the, the theater element. Yeah. That's what this is. This is theater. Right. This is, you know, on a higher scale, it's a slasher movie, but he's bringing a, a, a bigger, he's trying to make it more, more gravitas to what it's supposed to yep. be like trying to bring a pure element to what it is. And again, it's, it's, it's more action yep. than, than the, the ending of the original. There's more sparks. Yeah, so and, I was going to say, and, and woos and ahs. And there's and, a you fight know, scene the between Laurie's character That's and right. Sydney's. So I feel like you're right. right. It's not just, you know, Stu and Billy Dude stabbing, stabbing each, each other. other. Right. To try yeah, to just yeah. be the Yeah, you had to people. do something else. I mean, Mickey gets off really quick. He comes back and then gets shot like a hundred fucking times. Um, no, it's great. But no, it's fine. Well, it is great. I love is her. Great, I love Laurie's line to Mickey before, you know, everything happens. She's like, you're forgetting one thing about Billy Loomis though. And he's like, Ugh. she's like, I fucking killed him. And like, then she like, you know, rips him with the necklace and like, and then he, Oh, uh, Oh, sorry. Cotton shoots him. That's who it is. Cotton shoots. That's right. Mickey. Yeah. Cotton, cotton saves the day here. Well, but yeah. uh, I mean, maybe not though, because I feel like, you know, he almost made it seem like maybe he wouldn't, but at the same time, he was trying to be cautious because he, everybody has to remember, he did go to jail for accidentally killing somebody. Well, what I love about the ending being, scene, or though. Not accidentally, but, you know, for yeah, killing I mean, there are two. there are two different scenes here. When Cotton shows up, you're still not sure if he's part of it. Well, Same thing with Gail. When Gail comes out from the scene and she has the gun behind her yeah. head for, like, literally three seconds... You're thinking she might be part oh, of right, it too. Then so I love I, Mrs. Loomis comes right. You're right. Yeah. You're right. So I love that they they keep bringing right till the end point of the movie. You don't know they're still bringing you different like who is yep. it. So you're right. It, it's, you're right. It's still the only movie of the franchise I think that. I mean, right till the end that they're like, who is it? I mean, in the first movie, you kind of know by that point at the end who it yeah. is. I think at least, uh, you know, the more and more you watch the movies, but the second movie it really tried us best to be you know as entertaining as it can be and really bring it to the table like who are the killers and make it as creative as possible and again there are those fans like we talked about that no matter what you give to them they're going to be like that's shitty it's just billy's mom but i feel like that was the perfect arc to go because we didn't really know anything about her from the first one she wasn't dead she just like left so left, yeah. you know what I mean? Like why yeah, she, wouldn't yeah, she it? left because Sid's because Sid's mom was banging her Billy's husband. Dad. Right. So it's like, yeah. of course this would to me make a little more sense than like the boyfriend. You know what I mean? Unless the boyfriend like 
knew something. I don't know. That was the thing was like, it kind of depended on where that story was going and why it was them. So, you know, we'll never know. Or and, and, and also her best friend. I mean, it would have been cool to have that because at the same time, like up until this point, we didn't ever, ever, ever have an African-American female, like lead slasher villain yeah. ever. I mean, we had Candyman, but that's not even remotely close to this. So that would have been cool had there been like good reasoning and right. a good purpose to have that be the case, but it didn't seem that way. So I'm kind of glad they, they opted to not do that. And that, and the fact that, I mean, you know, Elise Neal didn't really have as much screen time as she probably should have had. Yeah. Um, I mean, neither did Timothy in terms of Mickey's character, but I feel like we needed a little more from him. Yeah. A little bit more, but there's, there's mystery there with that character. And I think that's why he's written that way. We, we, with Haley or Hallie, whichever way you want to say it. I think it is Haley. <laughs> um, I'm just saying, uh, you know, th- she just seems like a really nice girl who cares about her friend. And like, yeah. if it came off at the end as she was the killer, like why? And it would have seemed ham fisted of like you, you know, fill in the blank did this to me. And that's why I'm wanting to kill you. No. Yeah. Um, I'm glad you know. that, you know, we got the ending that we did where, you know, I feel like it's another like double tap moment. And just like in the first one, when Randy pops up and he's still alive, Gail pops up and she's still alive because she gets shot when Lori, no, Mickey, I think was shooting. Yeah. Mickey was shooting around and she like kind of, you know, jumped out, but she ended up getting shot or grazed in the side. I'm I'm not positive if it was an actual shot. Well, yeah. They're like, they're like, how are you doing? She's like, well, I'm shot. But But then she's like out of the ambulance, like walking around. It's like, well, I feel like if you had a bullet in you. Would you it's be walking around? Some movie. I know, but I don't know. Um, no, it's true. Um, yeah, but I mean, like, but no, very true. I mean, it's, it's, you know, there's so much that could be said about this, but at the same time, it's like, I think they made the right decisions where they needed to be no, made yeah. here. I you mean, don't have to get too deep, I like think, I'm getting. <laughs> well, we'll have, well, having, well, having Mickey be the kill, one of the killers, the, again, I'll say it for the 15th fucking time, hashtag crazy Tarantino film yeah. student. It goes back to that whole commentary, which was laid, you know, in the concrete in the first movie on how we are affected by these movies and how life imitates art. And this movie, you know, plays on that so Mm -hmm. much, in particular, the the opening of the movie having, you know, this is before an actual murder happened in a theater. Mm -hmm. You know, it wasn't like Wes Craven predicted that or kevin williamson predicted that but we've yeah. had plenty we always had like you know three weeks ago we had you know two deaths people went to go see the purge a tiktok star and him and his girlfriend got murdered Awful. um but this happens more and more i mean not like an everyday thing right, right, right. i mean people get murdered on the corner bar you name it but um it's strange when you hear about people going to see movies that have a lot to do with death yeah. or you know destruction and that they pass away. But again, this is at a time where these movies were being ridiculed, like to the highest degree and the MPAA and the critics were just shitting on yep. them. And that's what happened to this movie. It got grinded by the critics and everyone was just like, well, they're trying so hard to be on the nose about it. But at the same time, that's what's entertaining about it. And I think that's what this is supposed to do. It's supposed to take you away from real life for two hours and 12 minutes mm-hmm. and make you forget about all your problems. Yep. And it's, you know, have a good time and maybe think about the social commentary a little bit, but then 
let go of it. It's a movie. No, definitely. It's not meant to be, it's not meant to be like this. And Wes knew that. Yeah. He knew he wasn't making high art with these movies. He was just making something fun with good characters and make it stylish. And that's why I think Scream 2 is an unsung masterpiece in its own way. And definitely by far one of the best horror sequels ever made. I think in terms of, especially the second movie following an iconic movie. Yeah. I mean, the first Scream is iconic it is one of the best horror movies ever made and to follow that and be as good if not almost on par in a lot of ways is very difficult to do and i think you know it it changed the face of what a sequel could be and maybe i'm being biased because i love it so much because it's nostalgia or because i saw it opening night but i mean the more you dissect this in terms of this discussion i think we kind of really brought a lot of those elements out in the open See it as you will. No. I mean, it's right there. Well, too, I think, you know, not a lot of people think of, you know, the first one like we do in some of those scenes. You know what I mean? As we are drawing those parallels and conclusions, you know what I mean? I feel like that's the one thing I've realized about, you know, when I talk to people about movies is like, I see things a little bit differently. Like in Midsommar, right after that opening scene where she's like crying and stuff and they show you that beautiful tapestry, I said to myself, I was like, that's what's going to happen in the movie. I literally said that and I'm like looking at it. And then I looked for the bear. I looked for the fire. I looked for all the little things that I saw, but I didn't know obviously like how it was all going to be like meld together. But yeah, I feel like I've, you know, learned that movies now have those little clues because of all the Easter eggs that older movies set us up for, you know what I mean? Whether it's characters or scenes or music or, lines or things like that you know i feel like the scream movies stay true to themselves in that way and it has a lot to do with the writer um you know the the ending of this one sets up you know cotton in a really good spot because sydney pretty much tells everybody that he was the hero so now for the third one them have his 15 minutes of fame then he turns into jerry springer we see his character arc in the third one and you know we're not going to go into that but you know the first one and the second one end almost similarly The events happen, and then we kind of just see people just, like, walking away as the ambulance is cleaning it up. There's that huge aerial shot. Yeah, and then what is that song? Uh, The ending song of this was... It's Collective Soul. I knew it was freaking them. I was like... Yeah, yeah, Dewey lives. We see Dewey Dewey live again. So everyone's like, oh. Yeah. Cotton gets his 15 minutes, and the movie ends with the most happy 90s alternative music by Collective Soul ever playing while there's this... Again, this is before drones, people. Right millennials so this shot that they had to do was not like a little fucking drone that cost 25 dollars from radio shack excuse me i'm dating myself there radio shack's already i was gonna say yeah best buy best buyer amazon whatever um i mean actually there's like three radio shacks still alive i don't even know if there's any near me but just saying it's not a drone shot that costs like 200 dollars to do they actually had a fucking helicopter like placed there at the right time hovering over that shot, static shot, 35 millimeter cameras were huge. And then did that zoom. Out That's so crazy of her walking. You don't realize how hard that is to do because yeah. they don't do it now that way. They would just go, Oh, put a little camera on the drone, zoom it out. Nope. And like my kid could do it. Damn. Done. Uh. Done. You know, so that's the way the movie ends. But I have to ask you of this. I know we've gone long on this and I apologize. This is what happens when you bring an epic film guy on your show. (laughs) Just so you're aware. Just so you're aware. We'll we'll go in depth. We'll go long. You'll have to edit the shit out of me. (laughs) It's fine. But we always have fun. The question is, what are you personally hoping for 
out of the next screen? What do you want to see? Like, what is it really that will make you happy? Okay, so I'm going to talk about the fourth one only because I'm hoping that it kind of goes in the direction of we don't even know who these people are. You know what I mean? Like, they're brand new people that we've never even heard of. They're bringing something else into the story. So I can't remember McCall or Rory McCulkin's um, character name, but he, you know, he's the new Randy. So that's where it's kind of like, how is he the killer now? And it's almost like, you know, Billy Loomis saying, why wouldn't it be Randy in the first one? Because he works at the movie place and he already knows about all this stuff. So I felt like it was nice that they played off of that in the fourth one. So I'm hoping in the fifth one that they're going to do something smart with, you know, I heard rumors that we're going to see, I don't know if we're going to see a flashback because I heard that Matthew Lillard was on set. You know, I, I mean, I'm, I'm nervous because I've heard it's not the fifth one. I've heard it's not a reboot. I've heard they're only saying they're only saying that though. I mean, I hope it that is, it's. But I mean, I don't know. I, they're only saying. I think. I think they're only saying that not to cut no, you. No, no, you're fine. I think so. So people are aware. That's the. That's their their agents and 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 the you know the the studio telling the the talent to not let people know don't put a five after it. The reason why is because when you put a five after something, millennials, young people, my kid, for example, Oh, there's a five. I never saw the one or two or the, what I don't need. If you just put the name on it and they go, Oh, scream. Oh, that's that mask. Yeah. 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 Oh, it'll automatically. And I understand why studios are doing that now to me. Honestly, I don't give a fuck what you call it. It doesn't matter. Like spiral it was be, great. It, it, like it can be, it can be, it can be scream five yeah. and just be called scream again. It can be Halloween, whatever, yeah. put the tagline on it. In terms of marketing, things are different now than they were in the nineties, early two thousands, the eighties. You have to do things different. No, definitely. Um, but uh, as long as the story continues, which it's definitely a sequel, it's not, a, it's not a remake. It has to be if they're all in it's, it. It's good. It, it, yeah. I mean, like it's definitely, a sequel yeah unless they just make this quasi strange film where it's like characters are named the same thing well unless we're super meta and then we're going towards like new nightmare territory where i doubt it i doubt (laughs) no 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 sure sure i I doubt it i doubt it but i mean like ready or not was so good i think that i think there's so good right i smart weaving don't even get me started i did a whole episode i love her so much i love that movie i love the babysitter i loved mayhem i just love her like i'm excited she she's she's even great in the snake yeah i'm sure she's very small role but she's great and everything but no i just wanted to know because i keep asking fans like especially scream fans what do you want of this movie and half the time they don't have an answer they just want a scream five, but I'm like, well, what are you, what are you expecting of this? Movie? I mean, I want, I you feel know, like there has to be expectations. Well, I feel like I need, so the scream three gets confusing for me because was Sydney going crazy and seeing her mom or was somebody like playing a joke? Like, so that's where I'm kind of like, I kind of want that answered a little bit because we didn't get any resolution from four out of that. I kind of need some answers from the third one, but I doubt I'm going to get them. I'm sure, I'm sure she wrote it in her book, which we never got. That's the other thing is like, are we going to hear more about like Sydney's life or are we going to be thrown into, you know, a current event and then we just kind of have to pick up the little pieces, which I don't always hate that because then we don't get boggled with the story and, you know, idiot storylines and things like that and things that don't make sense. 
So I hope that it's a unique story, kind of like how the fourth one was, where her cousin, kind of back to the first one, wanted to just be famous because Sydney ended up being a final girl. So that's the the biggest fame that in this in her cousin's mind, Jill. There's that one line, and, and, and you know what? This line will. This is my last thing I'm going to say for anything. Um, the line in the end of the four will ring true for the entire series, no matter what you do. And I'm sure you know what line I'm going to say. Don't fuck with the original. And that's that's the line that most people don't appreciate from that script. And it's like, Williamson, he he was in that yep. shit. He was part of that. He had his hand in that movie. Yep. Um, and unfortunately, when I saw part four opening night in theaters, it was dead. There was nobody. Well, there. that was also when... So 2011. So that's when like Final Five came out. That's when I'm trying to think of what else was because I I saw Final Five in theaters, which I love. Final Well, you have to think. Um, you have to think when 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 four came out, it had been so long since the screen movie had came out. Ten years. I think yeah. the, the the fact that they had presented it the way they did with the marketing and 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 just putting the four on it. I mean, people were like. the, the generation had already passed. Yeah. Well, I think you know, people I were over sequels at that point because of. You know, Freddie and which Jason. Which is why, which is why, which is why the new one's called. Screen. Exactly. No, you're right. Yeah. No, you're totally right. So, so I wanted to ask you this too. So, did you know that sure. certain excerpts of the music in the second one was actually from Broken Arrow? Yeah, from Broken Arrow. That's I think great. I can yeah, pick Hans up the Zimmer. scenes because when I yeah, when I Hans Zimmer. when I read that and then I was watching the movie last night, I was like, that's not. That's not Marco Beltrami. No. I mean, he gets he gets uh, he gets noted as having like a, a lot of uh, he builds his score music like in terms of his themes in this like especially the dewey theme yeah 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 and the main theme so well but even the the scene where you know one of my favorite scenes i didn't even talk about um where sid goes in and her director is telling her you know you're not ready yeah. you know and, and she's telling him that whole scene where she's rehearsing that's danny elfman yes i was gonna say and that didn't sound like yeah, I can pick they, Danny Elfman. They, well, they, well, they, well, they brought Elfman in, who's one of my favorite composers of Same. all time. Um, and, you know, you can hear the Broken Arrow themes later in the movie because you're like, that doesn't sound anything like It sounds like desert. Like, it, it, like, it's weird. It's toward the end, right? When they're in the, the film thing. That's right. Yeah, because I was like, That's this right. is not, huh. It's just mixed in there. But here's the thing, like H2O Halloween 20 years later. Like, for example, that movie is... It has like Marco Bellatrami's scream score in there. It has John Ottman's score that he did for H two O, and it has it has music from <laughs> Mimic in oh, it. Like sh- a lot of a lot of the Dimension movies from that time, whenever the score didn't work or the Weinstein's didn't like it, they'd go, "Hey, just throw this shit in there real yeah. quick and put that fucking wherever you can." It was always an editing nightmare. And and Patrick Lussier, you know, who directed the My Bloody Valentine three D movie, he directed. Uh, a couple of movies of his own. He was the editor on all these movies. He was known to like have to rush and put things together quickly oh. in terms of score to make stuff work. If the studio said no to this, no to that, it wasn't a West decision. It wasn't a, you know, fill in the blank director decision. So yeah, uh, you can, you can hear those broken arrow themes in there. The John Travolta movie. I mean, it doesn't really take anything away from me, but when you get to that point in the movie, you're like, yeah, I guess this is a different movie. Like kind of something seems off. No, sure. I, but I feel like it just adds to the charm of the movie too. But like I said, this was rushed. So I'm also not surprised. Cause I think when they showed 
a preview of this or something, a screening. They had used excerpts of the music of the Broken Arrow music, and people kind of still and people p- people liked like, it. Yeah, yeah. So, they so they were like, "Oh, that, yeah. we're just gonna keep that in." So well, that I mean, deal. much like the original, and I'll close out on this. I mean, the original was a fourteen million dollar movie, made one hundred seventy three million dollars worldwide. This was a $24 million movie and made $172.4 million. So they almost, I mean, there, it's very rare that a sequel makes almost as much back as the original. And this one did yeah. it. So it's insane that a movie with that small of a budget made that a kind horror of money. movie. I, mean, that, 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 I feel like yeah, a hor- <laughs> horror. Last night I saw a film. If I recall, it was a horror film. Well, I feel like, you it know, it's a- easy for John Wick too. You know, Terminator 2, you know, bigger movies like that for their sequels to uh, get the masses in, you know, the Jurassic Park movies, things like that. But for horror to do that well, I think, especially in 97. Well, that's why, you know, well, that's why it came out the year right yes. after, which is why they started shooting as soon as let's they're like, go. nope, get everyone in there. Let's, let's, you know, back then, that's what you had to do. Now you wouldn't even have that be the case because people would already be so sick of it. They'd be just screaming. We're waiting like, what, three like, years for Stranger Things? Shit. Shit. Yeah, sure. I mean, for, for three <laughs> years used to be the rule, but moving along here, I just wanted to say thank you so much for bringing me on for this. Like, I know we went long. No, on it's this, cool. It is a subject that, that can go long. And I think if you really want to dissect these movies and really dig in nitty gritty to the deep in the dirt, there's there's even more we could have gone into. No, with definitely. These movies, uh, in particular, the second movie, because it's like, it's so exciting to think about, like, what went into the movie. Yeah being on set like in terms of like the script and like what it was like to actually create a sequel to one of the innovators the revolutionary horror films of our day like the movies that we got to live through you know at our age so i I just wanted to thank you so much for bringing me on for this it was an honor scream 2 i think is again like i said one of the best even though you said four is better i i I love four i love four i i think that two is is an innovator in terms of like how to follow up a movie that's a huge hit and still try to hit bang yep. clang, you know, make a big, big deal. A great, no, no, no. I, make it I will say that. Cause like, we all know, I still know what you did last summer was not a parallel no. follow up. So I will say, even though I like it, even though I like it, like I like it, but, movie, but it's, it's not even remotely, not even close. It's, it's literally if, if scream two was up here, I still know is like way, 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 way. I mean, Jack Black with dreads, smoking weed, smoking bombs. <laughs> just, it's just, cool. Like, it was just like, uh, yeah, it, it just missed the mark on a lot of parts of it. So I'm, I'm a lot most. Yeah, all parts. Except for Jeffrey, Jeffrey Combs being the hotel manager. That's oh where God, it gets right. points. I forgot right. he's the hotel manager. I haven't watched that one in so yeah. long. But no, you're so welcome for coming. Obviously, like anytime there's something that you would want to talk about with somebody like another movie or whatever, definitely let me know. Cause this was great. It doesn't matter that we went long. It just means it's going to take me a little bit longer to edit. Not a problem, but I'll just take my time, but you know, thank you for joining and we'll definitely have to do this again. And um, thanks for everybody for tuning in and listening. All right. Well, I hope you guys enjoyed that. Sorry that it was so long, but Again, thank you so much for sticking around, and I really hope that you enjoyed this episode. I really do hope to bring Justin back on the podcast. Again, be sure to review the podcast wherever you subscribe or listen to it. It's greatly appreciated so that I can reach as many people as possible. I hope you all have a great night, and 
Again, thank you so much for following. Good night, kids.